But you at least got to think as best as you can on what the ones you do know are and try to break those things down into a way that you can actually discern what is real, what is not, what's a real obstruction, what's something that's really hindering you from moving forward, and what's really just a distraction. There's just, there's just a lot of absolute nonsense. Oh yeah, that's that good shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh you God. had that. Welcome to the Any Last Words pod. My name is Earl Lonnie Hooks. A very special thanks to everybody that will be joining us today on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, as well as YouTube. Please do not forget to follow us on Instagram at ALWPod, the God and me. Honors the God in each and every one of you. That's a little spiel that I do. That's today we have Ada. Ada, this the, you know what? This is this is hilarious. And it's hilarious on, on various levels. Mm-hmm. This next thing I'm about to say. Oh, no. <laughs> It'll mostly be funny to you and I. Okay. What is your last name? Iftikar. 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 Yes. Iftikar. Gotcha. There we go. Do people have an issue with that usually? No. Okay, good. Actually, yeah, okay. honestly, a lot of people cannot pronounce my last name. I don't know why. Iftikar. Like, it sounds very simple to me. Do you break it down into phonetics for them? Yes, always. I've had a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of friends that have names that people can't pronounce. Yeah, being so, Middle Eastern really helps with that one. Yeah, too. so yeah, so so what we try to do is make people learn people's names as opposed to just naming them Tim or Bob or Sam or, or or Jenny or Sarah. I love that. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. If the car. If the car. If the car. If the car. That's all. That's is one. that what you do? Yeah. If the car. Basically. But you gotta tell that people was to just an run it. Elementary school nickname. Yeah. For all the white kids that couldn't pronounce my name, if the car was the easiest way for them to do that. So. Yeah. Was that like a jokey? Did they pick fun at you? Because it's not a very good one. It's not a good joke at all. I really don't know. I could never understand it. They also called me a demon a lot of the times because my eyes are so dark. They're not like bright blue. Did you feel like any of these (laughs) things growing up? Did you have that in elementary school or just middle school? No, both. Okay. How, How far back can you remember that? Probably... Jeez, as soon as I moved to America, honestly, that was probably around the third grade, okay. around eight years old. Okay. Yeah, eight or nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there was automatic, like instantaneously a difference between you and them, quote unquote. Yes. Like they made that distinction. Oh, yeah. It immediately. was massive. In third grade? It was ridiculous, I mean, I guess, too. yeah, okay, no, you're right. You're right. That's very true. Why, like, what do you remember? Um... Let me think. Well, first and foremost, I can definitely remember being an incredibly hairy child. Okay. It was disgusting. I hated it myself, but it's completely natural. I didn't think anything of it. And so, you know, molting around my first day of school, no big deal. And this like little group of like nine-year-old girls come up to me and they're like, what's that on your face? What's on your arms? And then that's immediately when I knew. Yeah. I yeah. Like, you're okay, like, oh, this is going to be tough. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like I got a long ride ahead of yeah, me. Yeah. Basically until they try to look like me. However, years later. Mm. So I was just kind of waiting for that day. The revenge plot was going on in my head for years and years and years. I was like, it's going to happen one day. They're making fun of my eyebrows today, but two days from now, two years from now, they're they're gonna want this. I they're re- gonna love it. I, I definitely think that those things can can make a huge, huge difference in a child. I mean, they do. They make a huge yeah. difference in a child's life. 
Oh, 100%. The self-esteem, the the care for yourself and the care for your own self-hygiene, quote-unquote. Mm. That was a big one. I mean, I felt that I didn't have any personal hygiene if I wasn't consistently shaving my entire body. Mm. It was repulsive. I mean, I was causing nicks on all of my skin because it was so sensitive. I started doing that at probably 11 years old. It was horrible. Mm. And it wasn't even of any fault of my own. It was mostly because of the people around me. And then my family caught on to it, trying to be more Americanized, trying to fit into this European, you know, beauty standard that was so prevalent here, especially in the early 2000s. Yeah. So I guess that was just a really big part of my life growing up. Like I really didn't, it didn't really make sense for a long time until I realized probably three years ago that who the fuck cares? <laughs> that was the <laughs> realization that came to who? Yeah, who basically. Who the fuck cares? Who genuinely gives a shit if I have hair on my arms or if I have peach fuzz on my face? No one, like, no one no really one. cares. No one genuinely cares. The no. only people that would care is some bullshit beauty critics in Hollywood. And people, first of all, don't even on a, on a genuine sense care about what's going on with people mm-hmm. really so exactly. so they definitely don't care about what's going on no with, not at all with your face really no, not at all even in high school i remember a friend of mine we were talking about something very traumatic i don't know what it was some some boyfriend thing or harp or whatever something familial or whatever that was upsetting her at the time we talk about it i'm helping her giving her advice and next thing i know she looks over and she's like have you ever tried to bleach your mustache and i'm like where did that even come from? I'm helping you through your family trauma right now. And the only thing you're thinking about is my fucking mustache. Like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> my God. Sorry. I grow more hair than you do on my face. Like, it was the most out-of-pocket thing I have ever experienced when it came to that. Because yeah. usually it's just direct. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is what I see because children have no filter. Yeah. So I'm just hearing like, oh, what's on your face? Do you always grow hair like that? Yeah. What does it, why does your nose look like that? Blah, 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 blah. You know, mm, random shit like that. Yeah. And then I get used to it. I tell them, home oh, from here. This is why this is happening. It's just in my body. It's my genetics. And then they'll let it go. And then it turns into a whole spiel about how Islam is completely different than Christianity. And that's a whole different segment. But... So that had, I mean, that theological talk was like high school. You're not doing, having those talks in middle school, right? Like, oh, yeah. Really? My first time having that conversation was, I remember this vividly. In the, I was either in fourth or fifth grade, and I was in the lunch line. What the and fuck are you line. kids doing? I don't know. I was worried about <laughs> if there was still more milk like chocolate milk cartons left or if it was like going to be pizza or if it was going to be hot dogs i'm thinking about the french toast sticks i'm about to go eat right like but this girl comes up to me and she's from honduras right so i'm thinking like she's straight from honduras she's an immigrant she's a friend of mine for a long time this shouldn't be a conversation we're having i think it's going to be normal she comes up to me out of nowhere first words that come out of her mouth are do does your family use toilet paper I heard Muslims don't do that. And I just, I sucked in. This is the first time I can remember vividly being like sucking my teeth Mm. and just like taking this sharp inhale and just holding it for a second and being like, okay, God, and then just moving on. I'm like, okay, no, that's not how that works. We use toilet paper, but we wash ourselves first. 
And that's it. That's the only difference. That's my own. Why do you need to know about my bathroom hobbies while I'm about to go eat? Like, yeah. I mean, why do you care? <laughs> there is a, Ugh. there is a, I mean, a childlike curiosity, which is, which is very interesting because I have it today. Oh, me too. Right? Like there is this curiosity. I mean, and clearly as a kid, you don't have the tools to be able to refine your inquiries into a non, you know, obtrusive sort of, of way. Yeah. But I don't remember asking people things like this. Me neither. Like I don't I don't I certainly <laughs> don't remember, but I do remember me having dark skin being a thing. Oh, I'm sure. Like, because when I was in elementary school, there was there were like a couple other black kids at the school. Mm-hmm. There, there was there was a girl and she was like just as dark skinned as I was. So they always had like put us together and of anything. Course. It was like them yeah. two. Right. Like people always thought that there was some sort of romance going on yeah. between us. Like people always paired us together. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other black kids, they, they just weren't as dark skinned as me. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until I got into middle school. And clearly then like, you know, the province widens at that point in time. And then you have kids from all different sorts of fucking neighborhoods in the city. Then I and other kids started to see people that were darker than me. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, shit, we thought Earl was dark. (laughs) Fucking look at this guy over here. Like, this shit is crazy. You know, and and. I can only imagine. You know, th- it was definitely, do. I definitely felt a weight lifted off of me because I was just like, I'm okay, sure. at least now I'm not the darkest person in the world to these people. Of course. But that was never the issue in the first place. The issue yeah. is that you're looking at these people like, yo, what the fuck is going on exactly. with you? And I definitely remember between that and my favorite shows being anime growing up. Oh, no. And now these <laughs> Japanese cartoons i mean the people looked like white people because yeah. i'm watching like dragon ball z like i'm watching mm-hmm. everything naruto, naruto Washa, sailor moon I all of that all sort of, of stuff all yes. that sort of stuff and so then i'm like well damn i want to be like that like i want to be able to power up and fly and yeah, shoot shit right? out of my hands and beat people up of and course. save the world like i want to do that so between that and that i found myself thinking like man it would be really cool to have like this straight hair mm-hmm. and like not be picked on constantly skin. all the time. Yeah, yep. exactly. Like that is that is a weird thing. That. I remember that particularly in fourth grade, mm. particularly in fourth grade, because mm. there was one of these guys from, I guess, the, you know, from the middle school and he was doing the peer mentoring program. Oh. So he was coming and helping, yeah. you know, like my class uh-huh. like me and my class. And, you know, they were coming over and I don't know whatever the fuck they did with the younger kids, but they were over mm-hmm. there coloring with us and doing whatever it is we were doing. And I think that day, maybe we were writing an essay or maybe I just happened to say it, but I said something along the lines of like, man, it'd probably be really cool to be white or something like that. And my my mentor was a black guy mm-hmm. and he and he was like as definitely the wrong black guy to say this to like <laughs> oh, as a young kid. And he was like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Like, you got to be proud of who you are, like black power. Like oh, it got like it no. got really, really. Yeah. Like Dr. Like, Umar level? Or uh, like, yes, it was, it was actually okay. something like that, okay. actually, because I remember him. Um, but then it, but then it got, it, uh, it got back to my parents and clearly there had to be some talk there. I forget exactly how it went, okay. but it's just like, come on, man. <laughs> like you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta get over this stuff. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, I mean, 
yeah. it's hard to get over that i feel like because i mean i never saw people that look like myself yeah my yeah. skin's more pale but like the features on my face are completely different yeah you know what i mean i never saw people that actually looked like me be superpower have superpowers be right heroes, yeah, yeah, yeah. be cool honestly in yeah. any way like the only thing if you think let alone it, a superhero just yeah, be just cool, cool. Like, have yeah. friends not yeah. be this like smells like their home cooking always is like studious only cares mm. about like Jesus. their education has to be a valedictorian as yeah. indian kid right and i'm not even fucking indian so that makes it even worse <laughs> So I'm like, this is the only representation I have, but it's not even me. Oh, and man. the entire time I'm sitting there throughout my entire childhood, throughout all this stuff, and I'm like, why the fuck doesn't anyone look like me? Yeah. So in a way, I can relate. It's yeah. just, it discourages you for a while. And it's not that you don't want to be the race that you are. You mm. don't want to be yourself. It's that I haven't seen anybody look like me be cool. So why would I think that I'm ever capable of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, as a young kid, again, I'm talking about fourth grade. Yeah. You're talking about elementary school, exactly. middle school. Like these ages, I mean, these are super awkward ages. Definitely. Middle school is awkward oh as hell. God, definitely. That's the middle Remember what you looked life. like in middle school? I don't even want to think about it. I don't that. think it, if oh you God. if you were an attractive middle school kid, like you drew a hell of a lottery. Yeah. You know what I definitely. mean? Like it's just an awkward place to be. You pulled the be. genetics lottery. It's super, like, super. You peak in high school most likely, but at least in middle school, you're like <laughs> Yo, perfect. <laughs> peaking in high school is fucking insane. That's Although so that is, I mean, that's a common trope. Like oh, that definitely. is something that 100%. happens to many, 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 many yes. people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's mostly because of, well, not genetics wise, but personality wise, I feel like it comes from having all these, all this pressure on you. When you grow up being popular, I wasn't popular, but I hear this from other people. When you grow up being (laughs) super popular. Go ahead, go ahead. You hear. I may be able to give you insight on this. You hear so much like about having all this pressure. I had a good amount of friends. I can't say I was super uncool. I had a lot of friends. I went out a lot. I did a lot of stuff and that was way too much pressure on me in mm. high school. I can only imagine how much it was if I was like in on the cheerleading squad, if I was a football player, if I always got straight A's, was in like all the AP classes, mm. always doing something. And then on top of that, now I'm school president because everyone fucks with me. Yeah, Everyone looks up to me. Everyone likes me. And I'm goddamn beautiful. Mm. Like, that would be a lot of pressure to put on somebody who doesn't really understand themselves just yet. For sure. And so when you're a kid and you're, I mean, you're one of us and you're kind of just being looked at and treated as a pariah in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you like trying to conceptualize that as a kid? It, that makes no, that makes zero to no, no. sense at Not all. At all. It makes zero to no sense. None. And so something I've actually talked to a friend about today, which is interesting, this whole talk about childhood mm-hmm. is that I've taken a very, very interesting route through through life. Um and in that I'm feeling more and more every day as though I'm getting I'm getting the best parts of what being a child was back. That's a beautiful experience, I'm sure. Right. Like doesn't right. that sound very yeah. cool? Like the best parts of what it was to be a kid. I exactly. feel like I'm getting those things back, but now mm-hmm. with an adult prowess. Exactly. 
at an adult level of maturity on the situation, which is even better because you right. won't make those fucked up little mistakes. Like yes. looking at, I don't know, looking at a black guy and being like, oh, you chocolate person. You know what I mean? Well, we actually just talked about a, yeah. well, a little bit about self-sabotage. Of course. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> it's something I have to talk about with anybody that I do, meet. Do, <laughs> do you actually find yourself? I mean, is that like one of the main sort of pillars that you end up talking about truly with Definitely. people that you talk to for more than yes. an hour? Yes. Really? Definitely. It's been that prevalent. It is huge in my life. I okay. didn't even realize I was self-sabotaging until like late high school. I didn't know anything about it. And I realized throughout every single year of my life, ever since probably early middle school, I had been doing something to self-sabotage myself. Mm. I didn't know why. It was just something that was almost ingrained into my being that like, I believed that I either couldn't do something because of my race, because of my gender, because of my smarts, because of how I grew up, because of whatever reason it was. I always believed that I deserved less subconsciously. So that would just almost show up in the work that I was doing. Mm. I was a really smart kid and I still am. I'm incredibly intelligent when it comes to book smarts too. I just, I don't know. There was always something in me that was like, you aren't going to be good enough at this. You're not going to be good enough at that. And if you're not perfect at it right now, you're never going to be. And so mm. I'd sabotage myself every single time, whether mm. it was my relationships, schooling, whatever. Mm. And I never knew why. And mm. so coming to that realization and actually understanding that from and like a real standpoint from, you know, therapy, classes, whatever, understanding it. It's something that I just can't shut the fuck up about anymore. So I'm mm. like, now I know I'm, I can't self-sabotage myself. But then I find the little tiny pinprick things that I'm doing that's also part of self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. And it just blows my mind every single time. <laughs> so I'm like, what the f I thought I beat this fucking demon and there's more of you? <laughs> like, jeez. Mm. But I feel like as a human being, at least in this society as a whole, I it's almost impossible to not self-sabotage in one way or another. Mm. Whether it's, you know, not believing in yourself or, you know, thinking that because of past baggage, the next partner is going to treat you in that regard the same right. way that someone else did or something familial that you just never really like processed fully. Mm. Something is always going to make you self-sabotage until you realize that you're doing it and you put a stop to it. Yeah. So, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That familial thing or anything with this, um, you know, the idea of your, your close friends, anybody in your in your close circle that you have to see and interact with on a frequent basis. We spoke about, well, before we got on here and mm -hmm. hit record, we were speaking about people that just, they're okay with just hiding things, with just sweeping ideas and problems talks that that are just to me absolutely wild to not have mm -hmm. under the rug and the more you come into truth in your life and you're like trying to consciously live your life in a truthful way mm -hmm. the more stark the contrast is when you look at people that are doing the complete opposite. opposite. Yep. And it blows. I mean, probably in the same way that you see the self-sabotage manifest itself in the things that you're doing, it blows my mind to see people living day to day just just 
lies,、mm-hmm. lies. It's riddled through them like it's in their in their genetics and their DNA. It is ridiculous. It's so crazy to me, right? It almost scares me because I'm like that level of not like not being able to see yourself. You know, you don't have this self awareness of what you're speaking on, what you're doing, how you're living, and the things you're telling yourself. It's I I have I have a friend that like she's going through this thing with her with her parents like I've never seen like her parents just won't talk like they won't have a real conversation any time any sort of conversation comes about that seems like things are about to get real for a second yep they. Shut that shit down in、mm-hmm. me. Like we're no, no, we're not, not having,、happen. we're not having this. Like whatever it is、yeah. you're trying to do right now, we're not doing that.、Mm-hmm. Like we're not, we're not having this discussion. Yep, I'm too she's familiar like, with she's that. Like, this is the exact issue. Like, what are you talking、exactly. about? We there's no problem to be had. There's nothing to talk about. We don't need.、Mm-hmm. And it's like, and you know, I heard this thing. I heard this discussion the other day by.、Uh, This neuroscientist that I'm always talking about that I like that speaks to this <laughs> clinical psychologist that I'm always talking about,、mm-hmm. and they're having this discussion. <laughs> and this is and you want to talk about scary? He's saying if you're someone that does not value logic or reasoning or evidence or conversation. Then there, there, all of those things are now a non-starter.、Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to even begin. There's no evidence or logic or understanding I could give you that would make you value those things because you don't value them in the first place.、Exactly. Which means there is a framework issue.、Mm-hmm. There is a straight value issue. So、yeah. we can't even begin the conversation. Because they don't have, there's no conversation to be had in their mind. That's there's nothing fucking there. crazy to me.、Yeah. Can you? I mean, can you for a, a second imagine how how restricted and how constrained your world would be、mm-hmm. if that's how you decided to go about life? I can only imagine, honestly, because I've always been the person that is very left side brain. Like,、mm. yeah, I'm emotional as a motherfucker. I will cry for hours and I will think deep about my emotions, but logic is so important.、Mm. You really cannot live in the world without logic. You have to have some framework of well,、logic. you can. Yeah, I mean, apparently, <laughs> right? But you just in my brain, you like I cannot fathom it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But growing up, I've had the exact same thing with my family. There is something, like what's going on over it's there? Just shut down. If there's anything about logic, if there's anything about hey, this is the problem. I know this is the problem. Can we talk about the problem? Just forget about it. Don't even think about it. What's the point? Hold on, wait. <laughs> Hold、yeah. on. Yeah. Are these are quotes? Yes. Verbatim. Forget about it. Don't think about it.、Mm-hmm. Yo, I, I'm, I'm like I'm trying to. Yeah. I. I know. I, I mean, I think that a lot of it has to do, like, what I'm going through right now, <laughs> has a lot to do with my nature as a as a human.、Uh-huh. But then it being exacerbated by my parents trying to make, or my family, I should say, trying to instill thought in me,、mm-hmm. trying to make me think as I grew、yes. through the ages. And then it was only 
you know, completely overcome at that point in time and pushed forward, I should say, encouraged by, you know, the psychedelic drugs yeah. and the, the research and the further conversations and all these mm-hmm. sort of things. Because then I was like, all I want if I, I all I want to do is embody truth. Like if I could, ju- I, I all I want to do is walk and breathe and live truth in every mm-hmm. single moment. Like I'm that's literally wearing a wristband that says oh, honesty, be uh. honest with yourself. So I can never forget that. Even <laughs> if, like, I will throw this in somebody's face and be like, "Look, like I know you're not doing this right now." It doesn't, because when you speak to somebody who lives in just, I don't want to say fantasy, but just emotion and mm-hmm. just this, this feeling that they're having, it's, it's mind boggling almost. It's scary. It is. Because you see that they're telling themselves things that don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. They're reiterating things and mm-hmm. just deciding to push truth over there. And this is how I feel. So this is all that matters. This is my truth. Yeah, that that's line. the thing. Yeah, this is my truth. Is the most annoying statement I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, in some ways, yes, I completely understand it. I've said it myself. But if you're saying that to completely void something else, some actual truth, some real truth that's sitting right in front of you, you're lying to yourself. You're manipulating. Or, yourself. or at least an opinion or a different vantage point that that maybe has bits of truth in it. Or some sort of insight in it that you could extract. But Mm -hmm. people just too often want to throw everything, Mm -hmm. jettison everything off the boat. Exactly. It that's so that's so crazy to me. So what is I mean, if you don't like you can just give me maybe some of the lighter stuff if if you want to, but like what is something that you would like to have a conversation with and it's just it's not happening? There's plenty. Or is it just really I mean, anything that... It's plenty. There's more than enough things that I could... I could list like a 50-page essay on all the things that I wish I could have talked about with my family that I never got to. Mm-hmm. And I can even say like the more deep and serious conversations, I never really got to have with them. I mean, when it came to abuse, when it came to addiction, when it came to just these traumatic events that kept happening... I want to talk about them. I want to talk about, hey, this really fucked up thing happened to me or happened to somebody that I love. I don't know how to process it. This is the truth of the situation. Can we talk about it? Just forget about it. It never happened. Weird. Just It's in the past, so it's okay. You just have to move on. And that was the strict thing. Like, that's always been the thing. I've had um, a very close family member. She was going through addiction for... God knows, three and a half years. Mm. And she was like a sister. And I love her with my whole heart. I did everything for her. I almost gave up a high school diploma to make sure that she was safe. And I needed to talk about that. I mean, that genuinely affected me. I lost sleep. I lost relationships. I almost died. I was in so many detrimental situations and I never got to speak about it because mm. it was always pushed to the side. It was was, was this instance with death with was that with drugs or yes. was that okay yes okay and so someone tried to kill me right this person was said family members drug dealer okay and so he tried to kill me because I came into his house trying to find my sister and so I'm not causing a scene. I'm like 16 years old at the time. I'm coming in and I'm like, hey, where's my sister? I need to bring her home. It's like three o'clock in the morning, blah, blah, blah. She asked to come home. 
And so I talk to this person. He's not making any sense. I think he's on meth. I don't know what he's doing. And he pulls out his gun and he's like, why are you all up in my house like this? And I'm like, because I need my sister. What about that? Doesn't make any sense. And he's like, well, your sister's not going fucking anywhere. She's having fun here. Uh, and I'm like, oh my God, she can come back if she wants to. And so I'm standing up. I got to fight. I got to do this whole thing. And this man takes his gun, loads it, and puts it straight in front of my face. And so I'm just sitting there and I'm like, all right, man, if you wanted to shoot me, you could have done it 30 seconds ago. So I play big body because I don't know what else to do. Right, yeah. So Because I'm either going to cower in fear and he's going to think he got advantage of me. And then now me and my sister are in this halfway house and now we're fucked. And no one else is going to come get us because my family is just, forget about it. We'll move on. And so I just deal with it. I mean, I play big body. I sit there and I'm like, okay, well, shoot me then. You want a murder charge? Go ahead. I'm right here. What are you going to do? He doesn't do anything about it. He just puts the gun down and he's like, wow, I didn't know you were like that. And then starts oh, laughing. Oh, God. And wow. I go get my sister. This guy's a clown. Yes, he is ridiculous. Who would do that to someone who is like 15, 16 years old? That is ridiculous. That is the craziest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. But. Craziest shit her. you've ever heard and you lived it. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, yeah. I go get her and I'm leaving. We go back to the house and I'm sitting with my parents and I'm like freaking the fuck out. Now all the shock is coming back. The adrenaline wore down and I'm crying. I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. So I'm like, I could have died today and nobody cares. And so I'm trying to have this conversation and it's just, you guys are safe. You guys are home. It's okay. Yo. And that's Yo. Yep. Yo, what is going on? I just. I don't know. I I don't know. It makes zero sense. In my brain, I'm like, okay, this is my daughter. This is my daughter. This is my flesh and blood. And she almost died trying to save another family member of mine this is my other blood like this is important so i'm going to make sure as a mother or a father i'm going to take care of her i'm going to listen to her i'm going to talk to her i'm going to tell her everything's going to be okay and we will figure something out if i don't know what to do in this situation but it's just so brush it away so what is your sense of what is going on in these people's minds that that just cannot look at truth like they they cannot do it I feel like it is almost a tunnel vision sense. Like it's a tunnel vision way of living life. So let's say you've experienced like 30 different instances of trauma by the age of 45, right? Every single time you just don't deal with it because it's easier to numb it out, forget about it or not deal with it. And so that translates into your relationships, that translates into your family, that translates into, into everything that you're doing. And so it's easier for these people to just not think about these things and forget about it. It's like, I'm sure you've heard the brain blocks out very traumatic. Okay, that's what I was about to ask you. Like, you think that these are like repressed? Yes. Okay. Completely. I feel like they just choose to repress it, though. Wow. It's easier for them to just repress this entire idea of anything being wrong so they can just get over it and move on with their lives and not have that affect their lives. How powerful, like the brain is so powerful and so mm-hmm. fickle. Like that you can that you can truly make this decision to push 
everything down, just mm-hmm. just shove it down to the left, to the right, behind that box, mm-hmm. put it over there, and it's just and it's out of sight, yeah. out of mind. Basically. That's so wild. I would love to live in that kind of ignorant bliss, but I don't have that opportunity because I am consistently trying to do live you, in a truthful d- environment. D- and this is a great point. Do you really do you feel that way? Do you feel like if you could make the decision, you would you would choose like if if you could flip the switch to just complete darkness and unawareness and you're just walking this earth at just baseline superficiality. Oh, hell no. Yeah. I would never. Yes. I would never. It's oh interesting. Like when people say ignorance is bliss, I, I understand the concept. Mm-hmm. I can understand what they're saying. I just, I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, like for me right now, as far as addictions go, consciousness has been my most healthy mm-hmm. one, right? Yes. And that I've fallen in love with understanding more about my mind and consciousness and making every moment as i texted you earlier Mm -hmm. every moment the most intentional that i possibly can with every step Mm -hmm. everything i'm doing i talk about meditation all the time on here and that you know it gets to a point where if you practice it enough where you're doing it all day long mm-hmm. in everything that you're doing it's and so unconscious yeah it's it's a it's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. because I, I i thought about it the way i was conceptualizing it to a friend was if you could imagine someone was like listen i'm gonna pay all of your bills mm-hmm. you, you, your car note your rent your water your electricity your gas whatever it is you got your student loans i'm gonna pay for all of that mm-hmm. for the next three years mm-hmm. all you have to do is practice something. Practice something all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine that if you had that time and you pick something that you really like to do, that's yeah. also a huge point, of something course. you really, really like to do, the the growth that you could have in three years, like doing that thing all day long, oh God, every three day. Three months alone. That's like, right. A quarter of a year. It would be ridiculous. It would be. You wouldn't. That'd be intense. You like, probably would. wouldn't even be able to. To know who you once were as far as that skill goes that you're deciding to practice. not at all. And so that's me with meditation Mm -hmm. is I found a way to be able to practice it all day long. I don't have to have anyone pay my bills. Mm -hmm. This is something that I can practice all day long. And so the amount of success that I've seen through it has been like what you just thought just now. Mm-hmm. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Unfathomable to yourself Almost, however yeah. long ago. Three months ago. Exactly. Three like, months ago. A couple months ago, I wouldn't even think that I would be able to sit in this chair and even have a actual conversation hmm. from the level of dead I was mentally. Oh. I was in a space where I wasn't... I was basically living in that ignorant bliss, but it oh. wasn't even bliss. It was mm. just ignorance. <laughs> It was ignorant <laughs> hell. It was ignorant Holy fuck. It, yeah, if you're going to be ignorant, at least right. it's got to at least be blissful. Yeah, right. Holy shit. It was horrible. What was going on? Why was your brain so, dead? So, I... This is where it gets serious. Let's right? do it. Let's do it. Oh, that's hilarious. We're going to get... Everyone that's going to be listening is like, oh, <laughs> this is when it gets serious? Yeah, like, right? oh, okay. <laughs> so, this is the real deep, dark part. For the last... Over a year, 
I have been struggling with a abusive domestic relationship. Okay. And on top of that, that translated to drug addiction. Okay. And so it wasn't any ordinary drug addiction. I wish it was just me smoking weed every single day. Yeah. But unfortunately, it was me for the first couple months not realizing I was using fentanyl and mm. then using it intentionally. Mm. And so if you don't know what fentanyl yeah, is. Yeah, let's do that. It's the... It's the strongest opioid okay. made, like man-made right now. Okay. It is 50 times stronger than heroin. Okay. And it 0.2 milligrams of it can and will kill you. Okay. And I that's why we've heard about multiples. a lot of deaths. Yes. Okay. In one block in DC, 98 people died in less than a week because mm. of fentanyl overdoses. Mm. And overall, within, I want to say it was one year study, 158,000 people died. Now, now, is this mostly happening because dr other drugs are being cut with fentanyl? Yes. Okay. Mostly. There's most most people aren't intentionally, like, they're not searching yeah, for it, but no. there are clearly people that are searching 100%. for it. 100%. Okay. Yes. So, there, what I started doing, I thought I was just doing, like, regular old, like, oxycodone mm, or something. You know, okay. like a hydro, random muscle relaxer that someone would get prescribed. Right. And then that turned into me realizing that it was straight fentanyl pressed into a pill. Mm. And so I didn't know because the piece of shit drug dealer was giving it to me without telling me what it actually was. Yeah. And then three months later, he tells me what it actually is because oh, wow. now I'm addicted to it. I have mm. no choice. Mm. And so my body's physically dependent on it. No matter right. how much I want to get off of it, my body's like, yeah, fuck you. So yeah. how long would it take for for that to start happening, for the physical cravings to start? About three weeks. Oh. The mental cravings start within two. Okay. Almost immediate, honestly. And, and what are what are those like? Like I'm I, I can I'm a little bit more um, uh, I have a bit more of a acquaintance with the with the mental mm -hmm. aspect craving of it. But what's the physical like? So physical, when it comes to opioids, it's, you get sick. Okay. You get really yeah. sick. You get hot and cold flashes almost immediately after your last use. If it's been a couple of hours, depending on how much you've been using it, of course, it you get hot and cold flashes. So you'll get really hot, you'll start sweating, and then you'll be freezing in the bones, but your skin is like searing hot to the Ooh. touch. Okay. And you get, so you're, if you have anxiety anyways... You probably already felt a panic attack. You felt that level of anxiety and that mm. fear, that restlessness where you're always like tapping something, jittery, okay. something like that. Imagine that times a thousand. Okay. So you cannot think, you cannot, you can hardly breathe. And at this point, if, if you're getting to that anxious standpoint, you start tapping restlessly. So you're mm. always like this, whether it's your hand, your leg, whatever. And then your body starts to ache. Mm. everything starts to feel super tight and then it contracts and lets go contracts and lets go mm. and no matter how much you stretch you can do whatever the fuck you want to nothing's going to change it unless you go and get your next fix mm. and all you're thinking about is that fix but you're i'm like, certain of it all you have is either you have no money you have no way to get to wherever you're going you have no one who's available whatever whatever it may be and then you start getting nauseous. You start, you can't eat food. You can't drink water. So now you're crazy dehydrated. You keep throwing up everything that you eat if you do end up eating. And then everything just becomes this shit storm. Mm. So you're anxious, you're panicking. You, your body is 
consistently tight, but you can't stop moving, which is making it worse. You can't sleep, which is the worst part of it all, I feel It's like. gotta be. Like, you're up for hours and hours and hours. You'll get like 20 minutes of rest finally, then you wake up and you're just fucked all over again. You. And it doesn't stop. And this doesn't stop for at least three days. And that's mm. if you're genuinely trying to get off of it or you don't have any option, like you're in jail, you're whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Most well, likely in jail or you're just stuck somewhere. And what's the high like? The high is euphoria. The high is, if you could imagine rose-colored glasses as a pill, mm. that's what it is. Okay. Your body is calm, but you're excited. So you can mm. still move, you can do whatever you want. You're smiling, you're... You're warm inside. Yeah. It's like you have this blanket of just happiness. Mm -hmm. Whatever's going on in your life, even if it's the worst thing ever, like your mom just died, you're losing your house, your car is broken, whatever. All these things are happening to you. You don't think about anything. Mm. You're just like, wow, everything is just beautiful right now. I will get through whatever I'm going through. Mm. It is a-okay. I'll be fine. Mm. And it's almost that ignorant bliss yeah it's like you are not thinking about anything but you're in this blissful beautiful state like when i did it i was in a relationship with this person at the time and it was terrible i mean he was beating the shit out of me he was toxic he was manipulative he was a horrible person and he made my life a living hell and then i used the drug and i sat there with him for six hours talking about how much i loved him and how happy I was. And every single thing I would never say sober. Oh, yeah. That's that good shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh you God. had that good. That that's that. that Ooh-wee. Uh -huh. Yeah. Ooh-wee. Yeah. You're telling me. And how long were you with this guy? Man. Oh, my Jesus. God. Under two years. A little under two years. Jeez, Louise. And how long? When did, when? Okay. All right. Let's, let's, all right. Let's, for, for <laughs> just, just for context, let's slow down. Yes. When you met this person, mm -hmm. did you have an inclination that they were kind of like this or? No. No. Not at all. I met this person at the same place that I met you. Oh, okay. At a restaurant. Yeah. It wasn't the same one, but it was at a restaurant. Yeah. We were co-workers and he was a friend of a friend. And so we hung out one day. We're all smoking weed. We're all hanging out, whatever. And I can't roll this backwood for the life of me. I'm like, fuck, I cannot fucking do this. Fucking backwoods, man. I know, right? Fucking, ripping. The stem backwards. was messing me up. It was bad. Smoking straight tree bark. Literally. It you was backwood smokers, man. It was horrible. But that's why I only smoke J's now. It's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, so I go to him and I'm like, can you help me? And he helps me. And then we're just sitting and talking for hours. We're laughing, whatever. He's doing acid a week later, calling me out of nowhere. Because I don't expect this at all. He calls me and he's like, hey, I just wanted to talk to you. I'm on acid. And I'm just sitting there painting, having the time of my life by myself. Mm. I just meditated. Everything's good. And then we just can't stop talking. Yeah. And then... I go to, oh my God, I should have known at this point because oh, okay. this was the most disgusting thing I ever did. I don't know why I'm even saying this out loud. I went to a day's in. <laughs> I went to a day's yeah, in. Buddy, yeah, buddy. Yeah. And we were going to hang out. Right. And obviously we all know where that went, yeah. but it took 
until I got there at probably 7 or 8 p.m. And it took until 1 o'clock in the morning for that thing to happen. Yeah. I didn't expect that. Because obviously when you usually meet somebody in a hotel room, it's almost immediate. It takes like an hour. Yeah. How, you know. Okay. So, okay. So, we also now know we have plenty of we have plenty of experience in hotel rooms. Oh, yes. Okay. But. I don't. But oh, that was oh, my first time oh, in a okay, hotel room. Okay. 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 But gotcha. I can only imagine. You know, well, yeah, I mean, I mean that's kind it, of the right? thing, right? Like, we're going to a hotel, exactly. like, okay, now days in, could have did depressing. better, but all right. It's depressing. I felt horrible. I walked in and I was like, do I really want to do this? And right. I thought about it like six times in my head and I was like, fuck it, live life. And I just decided to go do it. Right. And I know every single time I say, fuck it, I shouldn't do it, but I did it anyways. Mm. And so I go in, there's a pile of Coke on the table. A pile. A pile. Gotcha. A little like... Little mountain. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't do this. Oh, God. And then there's a bottle of Jameson on the other oh, side. Oh, he's ready to go. Yeah. The Xbox is plugged in. <laughs> Yo, what, what, what's, what's going on at this day's end? We but got, we got Coke, know. Jack, and Xbox. He's having know. fit to have a hell of a night. He's happy. He's lit. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He was there for a couple hours before I even got there. And so I walk in and I'm like, someone's ready to party. And then he says nothing he chuckles slightly but he says nothing oh yeah ada and so i'm asking questions you know me i talk and so i'm asking questions about him i'm like so like what did you do for your last weekend like how was your day like what what do you do what's your you know who are you basically (laughs) i'm asking so many questions i'm like the only thing i know about you is you work at a restaurant you like cocaine you like jameson and there's an xbox with two k sitting right there that's all i know and so i'm like okay who the fuck are you? Like, what What do you like? What's your passion? What are your interests? And I get nothing. When I mean nothing, I mean nothing. Like, I got, I don't really know. A lot. This man is 26 years old, graduated college. He did all this other stuff that I heard from other people. Mm-hmm. He never told me that himself. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, music. Everyone likes music. And so I start finding music that i like it's this youtube show called the color show or a color Mm, show mm. and it's a bunch of artists from not famous to super famous i've heard about this yeah they go in and they do like either an acapella or a live version of a song yeah right and so this is like a cooler version of npr's tiny desk basically yeah yeah. even though i love npr tiny desk it's just a solo version of that basically and so I put on a random song. I don't even remember which one it was. And it was something that I'd been listening to for a while. And I'm like, okay, so what kind of music do you like? And he's like, eh, I don't know. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I should Yo, yo. Yeah. What the fuck is happening? I don't, a lot of nothing. This is very peculiar activity. A hamster wheel is going on in my head and it's like there's just crickets in the other side. I don't know what the fuck is going on. It's just white noise. Literally. I'm sitting there like freaking out because I'm like, how do I make this man talk to me? Like, at least express that you want to sleep with me, dude. For fuck's <laughs> sake. Oh, my God. You invited me here. Like, Yeah, something. that's, again, that's what's so peculiar about it. Because you would yeah. expect, you because you, you set the scene. You walked in. Mm-hmm. You're at a days in. You yeah, walk in. Right? There's Coke. There's Jack. There's Xbox. Like you said, someone's ready to party. It seems like he's ready to get lit yeah. and do whatever. But he's not even giving you anything. Any sort of, like, pursuing vibes at all at all 
it is the most depressing. Is he just like playing Xbox like while you're talking Basically. to him? <laughs> oh shit. And then he'll stop and he's sitting across from me. It's a, it's two beds. And so there's one on one side, one on the other, and he's sitting on one and I'm sitting on the other with all my stuff mm. closest to the door cuz I'm like I need to leave. Oh my and God. so I'm like I've been here for 3 hours. Nothing has happened. The only thing he showed me so I was like, okay, let's go through some songs. And he found one song, The Bloodiest by J-Rock. Okay. And it's a good song. I mean, I like the song. But still, that's the only song he had anything to say about. And it was like, yeah, I like this song. That's it. In the most monotonous voice. Yeah. We were just talking about the mundane. Mon- the mundane. completely is the mundane as a human being. I can't wait to see right. how this rolled into you guys having a relationship. I know, right? <laughs> and so... I, I'm pathetically bored. And so I'm like, I'm here. There's nothing else for me to do. I'm going to have sex. I'm going to have sex today. I don't care. I'm just going to do it. And so I go and I'm like, (laughs) okay, dude, I'm not playing this game. Like I used to be an MMA fighter or some shit. Do you want to fight me or do you want to fuck me? Pick one. And so he, he picked one, he picked one, but it was play fighting. He was play fighting me. It was depressing. And that turned he, into him being able to get close enough to me to make a move. Okay, because, uh, you know, I mean, there's so much to be said about everything that's, that's, that's so transpired, that, you know, that did transpire, that's uh, being divulged right now. But, but one thing can be said, which is he's clearly just in a, like, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. No. Right? Like, he, I mean, everything about this. The days in the Coke, the jet, like there's a, there's a, there's, there's, so there's a lot of going shit going on. on right now. The Xbox in yeah. the middle of it all, uh, him sitting on the other bit. There's, there's, there's so much going on. Seriously. Um, but the play fighting thing leading into it. I mean, this is a very peculiar story. This is, this story is so unique. Uh-huh. Like, this is a very unique story. I didn't think I was ever going to be a part of that. Very singular story. I thought this was something that happened to kids in, like, high school. Yeah. You know, like, when you're losing your virginity and the guy's nervous and, like, both right. y'all are like, oh, it's Playboy. And yeah. Then, you know? That's, yeah. That's how it is. But this is a grown-ass man. Yeah. Who cannot and will not make a move because, quote-unquote, he is too nervous. I asked him a question about it months later. I'm like, what, the f- what was that? Why did you do that? And he's like, I was nervous. I didn't think you liked me. And I'm like, I pulled up to a day's in. I'm used to going to like five-star hotels. I'm used to going to their goddamn apartment. I'm used to going somewhere and having a conversation with somebody and connecting with them and then <sighs> sleeping with them because we like each other and there's charisma, there's chemistry. But you he wouldn't have known any of this because you guys no. weren't having any conversation to start At with. All. I was trying so hard. Like... You yeah, know. you really gave him. I mean, <laughs> honestly, any guy listening to this is just like, wow. Like, he this lost was this, like this. You really just gave him a freebie. Like, this was yeah, a huge dude. just layup. Basically. Honestly. I was just sitting there and I'm like, I'm not just going to come here for nothing. I mean, wow. fuck, dude. You're, the least you're going to do is show me a decent time in bed. <laughs> like, if you can't show me conversation. You can't show me drugs that I enjoy. You can't. No, I'm playing. So, you can't show so, so me I, anything. So I see. 
<laughs> All right. We're just going to keep in line. We're, we're just we're, we're going to needle this thread of self-sabotage <laughs> through this entire podcast episode and yes. just see in different ways that it finds itself mm-hmm. presented in stories and conversation. It is so sad. Okay. So so that's that's how it started. Yes. That's how it started. And and after that, you decided you would continue to call and and answer text messages and get together with this guy. I ignored him for a week. For one full week. He comes up to me at work one day and he's like, I really miss hanging out with you and I didn't get the chance to actually talk to you. And so I want to try again. And so me being the forgiving person that I am, I go out and I'm like, okay, cool. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. Let's actually get to know each other. And so that's when I hear more about his person. I hear that he went to college. I hear that he got like a criminal psychology degree and all this other stuff. Mm. And that intrigues me because I'm like, okay, so who was that last week? Who was that person? And so... He tells me that he was too nervous, blah, 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 all this other stuff. And he just wants to impress me because apparently I was an item at the restaurant that we were working at. Mm. And I, I don't really know why. I mean, I'm goddamn beautiful and I'm hilarious to be around. But it's just like, why? Like, what? I gave you every opportunity and you just chose to miss. You chose every opportunity to miss that. But whatever. So... That turns into us actually having conversations. We He gets on the phone with me and we're talking and things are cool. And then I'm like, okay, I mean, I actually think I really like you. And then I'm thinking about, do I really want to be in a relationship with this person? And so I'm seeing this like really happy side of him. I'm seeing this open, charismatic, having fun, going out type of person. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, this is something that seems like a cool little fling that we could have. Why not? Mm. And then a couple months down the road, this is we've been exclusive at this point. He told me he loved me, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to meet his parents. A week before that, I find out he's been cheating on me since the basically three weeks before, three weeks after we got together. Mm. And so I'm heartbroken. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, how could you? I literally gave you every opportunity from day one, literally, to be this person that could quote unquote impress me, that could be a good asset in my life, support me, be a good person, whatever. Show me a good time for fuck's sake. And you decide to drop the ball so aggressively for what? <laughs> so aggressively. So like it's <laughs> you like you the, took it you and spiked you just, the like, ball. Like you're it's gone. And I'm like, why? Like just why? And so I'm there's tears streaming down my face, but I'm screaming like i'm angry crying at this point because i'm like go fuck yourself dude i don't even want anything to do with you and then his parents are texting me his parents are calling me they're like give him another shot oh give what him another yo shot. hey man this is like, this is all right come on now. oh no you, all right come right? on man right come on what's going on here now the parents are brokering a deal it doesn't what's, make any what's sense. going on with i don't the, know okay all right so that's what we are on the story so far okay that's so weird and then we keep i forgive him for some reason and then we keep going and then while this is all happening i decide i'm going to play a prank on him to make him see how he made me feel mm. and so i 
have my location on. I decide to share my location with him and I go over to his best friend's house. Mm. And I'm just hanging out with the dude. Like we're literally just chilling. And I'm tell I told his best friend about all of this. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I'm so in on this. This is hilarious. So I go in. It's like two o'clock in the morning. Wow. He thinks I'm at home. And then he sees that I'm there. And his best friend and him live like right here, right next to each other, basically. Right neighboring like homes. And so adjacent. Yeah, yes. basically. And so he notices, but he doesn't notice until the next morning when he's leaving for work that my car is parked right in front of his house. And so he's calling me repeatedly. He's FaceTiming me. He's blowing up my phone and I'm not responding at all. Oh, God, no. And so I'm friends with this guy's sister, his best friend. And so we're literally just hanging out. We're having some drinks. We're talking, whatever. I spend the night and I wake up the next morning and we're all dying laughing. And so I go over and I see him and I'm like, it didn't feel too good, did it? And then they both come out and they're like, yeah, this was a joke the entire time. She didn't do shit. Yeah. And he was crying. He was freaking out. He was like just heartbroken and i'm like you all's relationship started off wild wild understatement super understatement tit for tat is what we're doing oh, here yes. this okay is we're having vengeful. we're having love wars yes mm. yes this is a vengeful vengeful relationship mm. and so that turns into the first instance of abuse and that's when I realize I am, I need to break up with him, break up with him, get back together, break up, get back together over and over again. It's these manipulative words that are just flowing through his mouth like he knows exactly what to do when he doesn't even know me that well. Mm. And so like at the time I knew a lot of manipulation tactics. Mm. I had been in other manipulative situations before and Something about this just seemed so genuine to me. There were real tears. There was real anger. There was frustration. There was all this other stuff. And it just, it's like I was in this la-la land, exactly where he wanted me to be. But I wasn't doing it well enough for him to be happy. Mm. And so consistently, it's like I was going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth to something I knew I didn't want anymore. Mm -hmm. but it just got worse and worse and worse and all the good times didn't feel like good times they just felt like okay finally i can be calm today mm. and it was just re repetitive over and over and over again there was physical altercations with him there was just manipulation through and through and then he somehow coerces me into getting an apartment with him right because he's sleeping on a couch at his cousin's house. Yes. So he has no spot of his own. I have enough money to go. I have a good job. I'm good. I want to move out because I want to leave my parents' house. I do that. He comes along with me. And it was the worst eight months of my entire life. It was terrible. He didn't pay the rent. Mm. He didn't pay any of the bills. Mm. The only time he did was twice. And so all of these lies, all this deception, all of this back and forth manipulation, he got everything he wanted from me and I got nothing in return because he knew that I was going to take the slack for everything. I was going to take the financial slack. I was going to take the mental slack. I was going to take every single thing Fuck. all in the name of love. Right. And so I knew that I was hurting myself. I was sitting there repeatedly like, I can't even sleep next to the dude at night anymore. 
Like, he won't let me sometimes. I wake him up and he's grabbing me by the waist and slamming me down back on the bed saying, no, you can't get comfortable. You cannot sleep if I can't sleep. That's not right. Over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all because I decided to give somebody a chance over and over and over again. Mm. I was self-sabotaging because I wanted to give him another chance. And it was, it broke me. I mean, that was the start of my addiction because I started using to feel good about being with this person. Every time I tried to leave, he it's like he had a rope tied to my chest. He would rip me back. Yeah. Even if I was gone for a week, even if I was gone for a month, even if I was with somebody else, I decided to sleep with somebody else. He's like, I don't care. You're with me. If I can't have you, nobody can. No, one of those deals. That's Yeah, yeah those are the dangerous ones. Mm-hmm. Every time. And so that turned into the police coming to our apartment because they hear that I was thrown into a wall and I was thrown into a tub. I almost cracked my skull. And that's bruises on my shoulders, bruises on my body. Everything is like, I literally look like I'm decaying as a human being. Mm. I'm shaking violently and I, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm like, I want to leave, but I can't. He won't let me. And so that turns into a restraining order. And then that turns into court hearings. That turns into just so much extra government-funded stuff Mm. that I'm still dealing with to this day. I mean, I still have to go to a court hearing and go sign paperwork, here is testimony, get my evidence, do all this other stuff. Yeah, I mean, this, this wasn't that long ago, correct? No, like, how, when did you guys, when did you get out of that? Uh, Something tells me it's, it's just like a couple like, of months ago. Yeah, it's only been like a month or two. Holy fucking yeah. shit. Yeah. Whoa. Yes. Oh, this just mm-hmm. happened yesterday. Basically. It might as well have just happened a couple hours ago is what it feels like. like okay. Yeah. Okay. This is all stuff that is very recent. And so I'm still reaping the consequences of deciding to go to the Days Inn and continue this relationship <laughs> with the cocaine. I'm so the sorry, but this fucking Days Inn thing is just, it's just crazy. It is hilarious. All right. Now, <laughs> now, before one of the other things we had just, we had touched on a bunch of little small things before we yeah. hit this record button, but. Like I said, I remembered because one of the one of the many reasons, maybe I should ask you first mm-hmm. why you decided to come. You said you'd never done a podcast before, but you had saw something I did on Snapchat. I did. And yes. yeah, like all these videos I'm putting mm-hmm. out. And you know, you said some very nice words to me. And clearly I was like, come, like, come get on, like come talk. Yes. And so why did you decide? To come do this, do you do you think or do you know or was it just like fuck it? Like I don't care. I it don't know. It was one of those things that like you know when your gut just tells you this is the right thing to do. Yes, it's yes, kind I of do. it's just one of those things okay. for me. Like I can I only have fond memories of having conversation with you, recorded or not. Yeah, they were always something that I was able to do. I was able to just freely speak and feel so comfortable and calm and like. Even if he doesn't know what the fuck I'm going through, he's going <laughs> to pretend or he's going to act like it and he's going to have some good shit to say with it. Yeah. And yeah. so being on a podcast with somebody that I get along with so well, 
I'm comfortable with already. And it's a new venture and a new chapter of my life. Why not start it this way? Yeah, that's for certain. I had no, I mean, now I had no idea what was coming. Yeah, I'm sure. Not, well, you know, again, not exactly, but I'm I knew. But a relatively mysterious person when it comes to my life. You're right. Like, yeah. you know, like there's, there's certainly as, which is, which is hilarious, right? It's ironic because you also, to some degree, an open book, like you, you speak you articulate yep. whatever is going on, mm-hmm. however you feel it at the time. But there's still, I mean, even with everything you're saying, there's still so many layers to all the things you've talked about mm-hmm. that that I won't know about, that the people that are listening to this mm-hmm. won't know about, which does create a certain mystique about you, right? Like, what is really going on with Ada? Like, what's going on exactly. in her mind? And that's why I decided I was going to reach out because I was like, mm-hmm. if there's one thing I remember, mm-hmm. like I told you before, is it's that... <laughs> You were most certainly not in any sort of way any of the, the conventional types that I had ever been around. In any sort of way, you probably wouldn't even ever want to be called conventional. No. Like you said, it sounds mundane. <laughs> it sounds boring. Scary. Now, oh, no. and I'm certain that that idea for you, living like you're going to be living once, trying to live mm-hmm. sometimes on the edge, a little too close to the edge. Sometimes you fall mm-hmm. off the edge. Right. But trying to live for that vivacity of life. Mm-hmm. I'm certain it's given you a lot of cool shit. Oh, yeah. And you've seen and you've had some great experiences with people. And it's sort of like it's it's a gamble because then you find yourself at the days in sometimes. Mm-hmm. So how are you dealing with this love for just going for whatever your your gut's telling you at the moment? In, in just understanding that it could go either One way. Two ways. I honestly, it's exciting. Okay. It is incredibly exciting. Okay. For me. I it thought. is one of those things that I'm just like, you know what? Wherever life wants to take me, I'm ready for the ride. Okay. Because no matter what it is, I mean, I've experienced, God knows, a great deal of trauma. I've experienced a great deal of horrors, heartbreak, pain, suffering, and just this horrible dejected feeling in life but every single time i come out of that and i experience the most beautiful life i've ever lived Mm. every single time i come back from whatever terrible terrible things that i've experienced and i feel that much stronger i feel that much happier Mm. i learned so much more about me and my psyche that it's worth it Mm -hmm. it's worth almost Mm. dying it's Mm. worth getting thrown around an apartment it's worth Doing drugs that I didn't ever want to do. Yeah. It's worth all of it. Because that point of happiness will not beat anything. Ever. Yeah. I've read recently that that successful people are successful to the degree in which they have failed. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only way that you could ever surmount the things that you would need to. Those achievements to be that successful person is... Well, you had to learn how to do it. Well, how'd you learn how to do it? Well, because you failed. Exactly. You it's had like that to. age-long quote. Like, you won't, you won't understand the sunshine if you've never seen the darkness. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's not one without the other. There's yeah. no life without death. There's no beauty without pain. There's no... There's just... You have to have the opposite. Mm-hmm. And in my life, I feel like it's always been... Oddly enough, I'm a Libra, and that's the scales. Mm-hmm. And so there's always been that balance mm-hmm. between happy moments sad moments struggle and chill sympathy relaxed all of that it's i mean going through it is obviously terrible 
it is stressful, it is scary, and it is hard. And a lot of the time, I have wanted to just give up. Yeah. But then I think about it. I have a meditation and I just see all this beauty that is waiting for me on the other side of this path. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'll walk on the eggshell some more. I'll walk on the broken glass a little bit more. I'll get to the door and y'all are bandaged. You're, you're going to bandage my fucking feet up and I will keep walking and it'll feel great. So what, yeah. So what is the, the main thing that you do in order to try to balance the skills or bring yourself back to some sense of serenity or just cl- clarity? Like, is it your viewers are going to hate this? It's meditation. They're going to hate this. No, that's funny. Okay. Well, well, look, how did this come about? What do you, what do you do? What's it look like for you? For me, it's a lot of just enjoying the little things. Something for me that I really, really love that's always brought some semblance of peace in every moment of my life is either going out when it's a full moon Mm. or going out in the peak sunshine. Okay. And I don't know what it does to me or my body or my spirit, but it literally makes me feel whole again. And I'll just sit there and I'll breathe and I'll meditate and I'll just be in this beautiful little world that I created in my head. I'll talk to my spirit guides. I'll lucid dream. I'll do all this other stuff, all spiritual. And it'll just bring me back to one, regardless of what I'm going through. I'll be able to just come back to myself and be this blissfully calm, happy just excited person all over again Mm. and i'll know no matter what i went through it doesn't mean that's going to be the rest of my life Mm. that's there's no no one is ever going to live a life of just misery and i know i'm never going to live a life of just misery because i'm determined to be happy Mm. one way or another Mm. i wrote this in a poem actually because i go to these recovery um centers i guess i go to a recovery center called recovery unplugged mm-hmm. it's a music-based therapy program oh, really? for people who have been through addiction um any type of abuse really especially self-inflicted and i actually want to read it so yeah for sure when you say that this yes. is music-based yes. like what like what do you what do they do there so it's a lot of talking it's okay. a lot of you know getting deep into your psyche but right. a lot of it is like calm through music don't fear because music is going to make sure that you are going to be okay. Mm. No matter what it is, there's a song for what you're going through. Or there's a okay. note that will help you. There oh. is an instrument that you can play. There is going to be something that will make you feel free again. And that's always been something that I felt. So they, so they just have like instruments around or mm-hmm. that people can just pick up and play? Yeah. And okay. Yeah, there's like there's an electric guitar, there's a bass, there's a drum kit. And in the main room, that's where all of this is. And it's all like a soundproof room mm. where... Um, oh, shit. I've <clears> never <throat> heard of anything like this yeah, before. Yeah, it's amazing. It's... Um, what is it called? There's a bunch of chairs and then there's like a main person and that's like the therapist of the day, whoever's leading a group. And we're all just talking. We have um, like open mic nights okay. every week. And so your therapist or whoever it is is going to assign you something. Mine assigned me a letter to my addiction. And this was more than one addiction. Mm. So I wrote it about both this relationship and the substance because mm-hmm. they went hand in hand. Yeah, for me. sure. And that's what I want to read. It's It was intense. I mean, I had a song that went with it. And then the next letter was um, the last time I felt true joy. And then the song that I picked for that was Jackie Onassis by yeah. Sammy Ray and the Friends. It's oh, partially listen. country, jazz-ish. It's mm. not something I would usually listen to, but it is. it literally feels like joy in a song okay. for me. Okay. And so 
we get to play the song we get to share what we're sharing and then we just talk and we hang out it's like being in a room full of a bunch of people that went through the same shit that you did yeah in one way or another right but you all can connect on one thing mm. that music has always been there for you and it's never going to leave you mm. and so if you don't see any other reason to move on you don't see any other reason to do better choose music Wow, that's really cool. I've never heard. I mean, clearly, I've, I've heard of rehab before, and, yeah, I've, of course. and I've heard of the you know the twelve steps, and mm-hmm. you know I'm you know making amends and mm-hmm. taking accountability for, and all these sort of things. But I've never heard of it just being music based, like that being the yep. the infrastructure for it all, like coming back to music. And I I I, I it completely makes sense. Yeah, I completely get that. There are all types of songs where like you're you're choosing songs every day like Mm -hmm. whoever you know again maybe listening to this if you're in your car you're picking songs you're at the gym you're picking songs like these are songs that you're picking and and it's because that there's something in the song especially if you know the songs you're picking like you're not just picking songs at random Mm -hmm. these are songs that are calling out to you right like they resonate with you and you know that you're going to this song Mm -hmm. for a certain note or for exactly. a certain instrument or for a certain lyric mm-hmm. or or something or maybe just like there's an inflection of the you know the singer's Voice, tone or anything. something like there's yep. something that you're looking for exactly. so that is that's very interesting and it sparks an emotion within you yeah. whether or not you want to believe that music can do that because i know plenty of people that are like no i just listen to it because it's music it's fun to listen to but why is wait it a minute wait a minute you've yeah. you've had people tell you that they that they mm-hmm. they, they like music mm-hmm. and they listen to it yes. but that it but that it they derive no feeling from it at all like it just plays like yeah. it's just, it's just again oh, white like noise it. like it's just, that I is just that's like it. just silly right? it's, it's it's silly because and that person just hasn't thought it through enough yet Mm-mm. like they just haven't processed what's going on because you don't just Not like it for no reason exactly it evokes an emotion within you it makes you feel something whether you want to admit it or not yeah that's a silly thing to say like it makes you feel something any song like i, I have literally a thousand songs i can think of right now that evoke such strong emotion in me that it'll change my whole day right like mm. what a wonderful world Oh, that's so funny that you said that because when you were saying this other song that Mm -hmm. that sounds like joy in a song, I was like, Louis Armstrong, What a Wonderful World is one of those. Yeah, but that's the opposite for me for some reason. Mm -hmm. That song makes me sob. It makes me break down into tears and Mm -hmm. cry. And it's just because it's a song that my family used to listen to all Uh, the time. My father loved that song. That reminds me of being back in Toronto. It reminds me of having a happy family. It reminds me of being at peace with everything around my life and just being blissfully young, yeah. being a child and knowing that I'm never going to receive that again, I think is the reason why it makes me cry so hard. Mm. But it's such a good feeling every time I listen to it. It's like I'm shedding a new layer of skin almost. Wow. It's beautiful to me. I don't know why, but it is. I You have you have read me one other thing before a long yes, time ago, I did. Um, but I'm, I'm ready for this. Okay. I was going to make a comment about that, but go, <laughs> but go ahead. I'm, I'm ready for this. Okay. So this is the letter to my addiction and I curse a lot in my poetry. It's just something <laughs> that I do. It's yes. not basic poetry. It's I, I, just I don't, words. I don't think that it's going to surprise anyone that's it been listening to this point at all, <laughs> but dear, whatever the fuck your name is. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the best and the worst two years of my life. The best in the way the ways you'd waltz me around my apartment or an empty parking lot in a blanket of warmth no matter the temperature. The way you'd kiss me and tell me you'll always be there to lean on whenever I needed you. 
the way no matter what you what you showed me that comfort can live in the worst, scariest of situations, forgiving me a new devil to fall in love with. I can't forgive you for the sleepless nights, for the writhing in bed and the losing myself in you, the endless anxiety and the fear of ever being without you, counting each pill like they're the last days I have on this earth. You showed me that I can change and for the worse. I can become deceitful. I can become a liar, manipulative and selfish. You showed me that every single demon, every devil, every single dark part of me can only be loved when there's something to subdue the pain. But without you, I'm nothing. I'm everything I've ever hated and everything you've ever loved. I'm anxiety, I'm heartbreak, I'm sadness, and I'm anger. I'm disappointment and bitterness. Without you, I've hurt so much, but in the best way. You've brought me nothing but my deepest, darkest fears, and I've let you every single time in the name of love or in the name of comfort, in the name of numbness. I used to ask myself what would hurt worse, being numb or feeling everything, and at this point, the latter is the most beautiful chaos I've ever endured. I can only ask that while you're sitting outside of my room or my car doing push-ups, waiting for me to send a message or break into tears, don't try to comfort me. You've done enough damage. Your comfort is a hug laced with thorns. Your comfort is a satin-laced coffin. And I'm not ready to die just yet, motherfucker, so while you're out there doing what you do and swirling through my mind like a sandstorm, I hope my forgetting you will finally bring you to your next victim, not me. I'm sure that's a dream I can't really believe in, but I'm going to treat you like a bad breakup. Watch me do better and want me back tenfold while I laugh in your faces, watching you wither away in your own desperate self-pity. You love company, so you nameless shadow I've loved and lost, I'm going to call you misery. I hope the next time I get to see you, it's easier to wave goodbye. Mm. Hope the next time I see you, it's easier to say wave goodbye. I'm going to call you misery. So outside of these people at this at this musical rehab facility, mm-hmm. Who are the, what, what's the energy of the people frequently in your life carrying? And is, is your misery dragging in company like it? Or it, whoa, hold on a second. You're, you're answering the question way too fast. Hold on a second. <laughs> so, so, so what, You, who are you attracted to? Like, wh- like what do, what sort of people do you find yourself attracted to? People that intrigue me. Okay. In any sense of the term. I was about to say, that's a very wide range. Yes. I'm certain of it. In any sense of the term. Anyone that sparks interest. Anyone mm. that I cannot quite understand. Mm. Somebody that I can totally see through and I'm like, okay, I get you. Like, I... Don't even have to talk to you more than twice to kind of understand what kind Mm. of person you are. Bore me to death. Mm. I like people that I can't understand. Okay. And it's something that has fucked me up, but brought me such beautiful relationships at the same time. Mm. Because complex people are so, they're ever changing. Mm -hmm. You cannot pinpoint one personality to that person. My friends and I used to make playlists for each other all the time. We would have to remake the playlist like every couple of months, every year, every like whatever. Right. Any time, like... Because we would change so frequently. Yeah. And through this, I reconnected with my best friend. 
because I lost her for a really long time. We didn't speak to each other because of said relationship. And because, you know, isolation is one of the main tactics in abusive relationships. So I wasn't around anybody, but I finally got reconnected with her. And we both are so different than we were when we stopped talking to each other. Yeah. It is beautiful to see that change. And I think that's what attracted me to Mr. Days In. That's what we're going to call him today. So he was so quiet. He was closed. He was shut off. And I was like, open the fucking doors, dude. Open the door. I want to see it. But he would not let me. Yeah. And the minute he let me, I was like, I have to see everything. Mm. I will not see that. I have to see this through. Like, there's no, I can't say no. Right. And it was just because every single week it was a different face. Mm. Every month I would see a different side of this person. And I was like, are you consistently going to change? Yeah. When are you ever going to be like, when are you going to plateau in this like version of yourself? When are you going to be actually happy with whatever is going on in your life and be able to like just smooth sail through that? But that never happened. And that it intrigued just, you, though. It changed my entire perspective on relationships. Because mm. I was like, that doesn't, that's not okay. Like, that kind of person is, like, in his case at least, is scary. And that's not a relationship that people can have successfully. Because if that person is ever changing in a negative way and will never see something good about themselves, then you're never going to be happy in that relationship either. You're just going to be the the happiness that they're draining out of you. You're going to be this energy and they're the vampire. They're going to take it from you and it's just going to hurt you. But the people that can change and at least experience happiness throughout these changes, even if they're unhappy, they're depressed, they're scared, whatever, if they can still experience moments of joy, that's the kind of person that I need to be around. Right, because that's the because that's the point I was sort of getting to. You're you're mm-hmm. talking, you're you're saying in this letter that that this entity has taught you that you can be a lot of nasty things that you don't want to be, but that you have the capacity to be those things. Exactly. Which the antithesis would show you that you also have the capacity to be the contrary. Mm-hmm. You know, you can to, be the complete to, opposite to these things. And I, it, I think, it, I mean, it should go without saying that there should be practices involved or whether you're, you're conscious of it or not, you're practicing something. Mm-hmm. And it's either there was speaking to Xbox. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was telling this to my, uh, my friend the other day is that there was a game that came out when Xbox first came out mm-hmm. and it was called Fable. Yes, I remember it. You could run around your sword yes. shield or whatever. And it, I think as far as I can remember, it was the first game where you could go and make your own decisions and be your own person. Mm-hmm. And you could you could run around town and help people out and take a bunch of little side jobs and missions and go rescue mm-hmm. people and be a good person it, to at what point you would get you would collect all these like good points and mm-hmm. you would have a halo that formed over your head yes. at some point if you collected enough. Yeah. And you could run around and just kill people mm-hmm. and do, do all those and sorts of and steal from people. Exactly. You could be and the exact then opposite. you would end up like growing horns and like these little mm-hmm. wings and shit like that. The point is, is that as you are making decisions throughout your life, day to day, you're feeding something. Exactly. You're feeding some part of yourself mm-hmm. by all these decisions that you're making. 
You could be aware of some of them, not aware of other ones, but it's happening with every decision that you're making, which goes into the intention, being deliberate about Mm -hmm. those decisions that you're making. So you know what you're feeding, what you're nourishing, what you're encouraging, Mm -hmm. what you're trying to stave off and run away from. Mm -hmm. And one of these things that would be very, very important, I think a lot of people would agree, is the are the people that you're surrounding yourselves with. Definitely. And how you're choosing to spend your time around. Mm-hmm. So when I think about that, I'm just like, so Ada, who are you hanging out with? Like, what's <laughs> <laughs> what's going on over there? Like, what do they got yeah. going on? The people around me at this point are right. amazing. The people okay. around me are all these artistic, deep, fucked up, but beautiful people. Mm-hmm. They've gone through hell, but they've come out so much stronger and they see beauty in everything. Mm. Like, they're the type of people you can sit around with and, like, just shit on random stuff, but you can also have deep, meaningful, beautiful conversations with them. And they're just not really negative. And that's the kind of people that I need to be around. That's the kind of person that I claim to be. So that's the kind of person I want to be. And so I need to re-nourish that side of myself because I was surrounded by one person, one negative, dark sad deceitful manipulative person Hmm. someone who couldn't control their emotions someone who couldn't understand themselves and someone who was so frustrated with not being happy with themselves that it transformed into violence this this being as recent as it was for you Mm -hmm. what percentage even if it's like one percent two percent like like, is there is there a tinge of of like you missing some of this comfort that you said that you can find mm-hmm. in malevolence in in the distraught era that you were in? Like, is there something oh, yes. that that does miss? Of course, the abuse. Of course. Wow. There is a small part of me, and I like to beat the shit out of her every day, mm. but. There is always going to be a small part of me that misses the chaos. That yeah, misses the, the chaos. The violence, the darkness of the entire thing. It was it was beautiful, but it was horrible for me. So it brought me to a terrible place. But at the same time, that little tiny part of me that enjoyed it is still like this little parasite going through my brain every right. now and again. Yeah, And all I can think about is... She'll experience it again one day. Hopefully not that bad. But she's going to experience it again. And I'm just going to let her do her thing in here. Because I'm not going to be that person that repeats the same mistake twice. I refuse to put myself into a place that I've already experienced. I miss it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to go back to it. Right. I'm choosing to go back to a part of myself that deserves nourishing and deserves care and deserves love. But that chaos was definitely something that I can say I missed. Because yeah. I never knew what the hell I was going to do. I never knew where I was going to get the rest of the rent money. Mm-hmm. I never knew where I was going to end up that day. If I was going to be like halfway up in Maryland or if I was going to be down near Front Royal. I didn't know what I was going to do. Wow. I didn't know if the cops were going to find me. I didn't know if something was going to happen to me. And some sick little part of me was like, this is fun. Mm-hmm. But I think it's only because it was so unknown. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this before. It may have been a long time ago. But I used to say I'm a lover of the unknown. 
Mm-hmm. I'm somebody who is so intrigued by the unknown, whether it's in life, in people, in movies, in books, whatever. I'm I'm the kind of person that like don't show me the entire trailer of a movie before I go see it. Okay. I want to be surprised. Yeah. And that translated <laughs> into my life. Because we, we went to a movie together. We did. And the you photograph. Didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. I love that movie yeah. too. And I loved it even more because I didn't know what the hell was going to happen. What was, yeah, you just popped so, up in there. It was like, exactly. I, you, all you said was, I just hope that this isn't a corny romance. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't. It, it was honestly yeah, really they did great. A good job. It was very deep. Issa Rae, yes, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, that was that was. One they're of the two of my ones. favorite actors. Yeah, too. they're they're good. I love them. Have you seen Insecure? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, God, yeah for sure. I'm rewatching it for the third time right now. Ooh. I love this show yeah, so good. much, and Atlanta, like Keith Stanfield. Yes, 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 yes. I did hear that the third season's coming mm-hmm. out soon. It's I like March, wait. I think, right? Yes. Yeah, I think it's, it's March. Be in March. Yeah, it's so good. But yeah, like I was saying, just the unknown was the part of it that always wanted like i always craved more of it you like adventure i do you like adventure I do. even if it's a sick <laughs> yeah i was, detrimental, about, <laughs> I was like, about to say horrible. like there are other ways of Unknown. having adventure of course. Like, oh and that's I'm so really funny hoping the next time i go on an adventure it's not going to be one that could cost me my life right but yeah i also realized that even in the happiest moments i could lose my life so i'm not yeah yeah that's very true that. That's very, very true. I mean, shoot, I was on my way to, I think I was on my way to Qatar with my Mm. family and there was um, something wrong with the plane at some point. And so we had to do a crash landing Mm. and that was, I was smiling the whole way through. I was like, this is so exciting. I was like nine or 10 years old and like... Everyone else was praying, crying, screaming, whatever, and I was just like, "Woo!" Yeah, I feel like you're like your level, like the <laughs> level of excitement that you have been fed through all of these wildly chaotic moments. Mm-hmm. They give you a certain a certain fix. Now, again, you mm-hmm. you were having fentanyl, so you can't have anything that's like less than fentanyl, no. right? Because it's not it's doing not the same do thing. Yeah. So. So I could easily see why there's a bit of you that would still like to go back to this abusive, chaotic thing and and why you could still see yourself falling into some of these things, mm-hmm. which is why you say the self-sabotage continues to manifest itself. You beat it down. You don't exactly. know why it's back up. I think, yeah, you just have like this because just regular excitement <laughs> like a regular level of excitement That's, for just I don't know what that means. Re- exactly. For just like <laughs> regularly excitable things that people go through it just no. isn't quite it no. is not quite it. But I've always wanted to have a surprise party. That's something. Okay. That is always something that's very like. All right. All right. Surprise party. Always wanted one of those. Okay. Okay. There's something that's, I don't know what the universe is trying to teach me in this lifetime, but I, it's so chaotic. It Mm. has been ever since I got to America, basically. Right. Even before that, I mean, the spider tattoo I have right here, it's because I had like a bug friend growing up mm. a black widow spider with two broken legs would always crawl into my apartment when i lived with my family in toronto and i don't know why i loved that little motherfucker so much he was so cute he was like this big i hate spiders now like i don't want to touch one and i will probably kill one if i have to but i just know i don't know what it was i was like three or four years old it's probably one of my earliest memories yeah had this like pretty white dress on and there was a spider sitting right on my leg and I was just talking to it 
Mm-hmm. I don't know why. See, well, was well this was talking. this was clearly before fear had taken yeah. you over as it does most human beings. Definitely. Like you were just Definitely. open to having a little friend. <clears throat> yeah. You didn't know that it, like, it what sort me. of harm it could do to you or anything like that. You're just like, you know, yeah, sure. I got nobody else to talk to. Exactly. I was just chilling with this little bug on my leg. And hmm. that's like, that's basically how I feel all of my abusive, toxic, or chaotic relationships have been. Mm. I'm looking at it and thinking, oh, well, it's just normal, but it's it could kill me. Mm. And every mm. time I have to get away from it. So I eventually will. Yeah. But it, it's either going to be, I'm going to realize it and I'm going to run away because I'm like, oh my God, get this off of me. Or I'm like, just leaving it yeah. without a second thought. Mm. And it's circumstances, it's life, it's whatever. And I'm just like, Gone. Yeah, you've bred sort of like fucking Bane said on the Dark Knight. Like you, you you've been bred and molded by the darkness. Exactly. So it's like so going to a day's end and seeing a pile of coke and Jack is like for you. It's just like as Friday yeah, night, basically. Like, yeah, at one just, point in my life, a hundred percent. And if I ever walk in on something like that again, regardless of the hotel room, I'm just gonna look at it and walk away. Mm. I know exactly what's gonna happen. Mm. So that's the best part i feel like about going through all of these chaotic fucked up terrible things yeah i have a new set of itinerary in my brain i have a new set of something there is something very interesting which is why you say all these all these friends of yours (laughs) are just like (laughs) incredibly fucked up in the sense that they've just gone through like just have stories Mm -hmm. just absolutely wild stories with with I mean, just the the craziest of of plot twists and turns and ups and downs and loop de loops. And there's something to that when it comes to people and like the interest level of people. It's Mm -hmm. like when somebody's just gone through a ton of shit. There's just a different walk. Yeah, there's just a different walk. They just they're they're navigating this earth differently. Like they're just walking around differently. Imagine if. There was me, but without all of the chaos. Imagine how boring that would be if you can. Well, even I don't even know what that. You, exactly. <laughs> so you've been molded, but I don't even know what that is because I'm thinking. Exactly. I'm thinking. Okay, like she may still want to write poetry and and paint, but, but what would what? the poetry be? What would the paintings be? Exactly. What would your conversation be? Exactly. I mean, and and that's not to and that's not to say that like you wouldn't be a pleasant person. We just like we just have shallow. no idea. We just have no exactly. idea what you no what you'd be doing. I feel like I'd be incredibly shallow. Oh, you think? I feel so? like I would be very like I would be very surface. Like level. oh, like shallow in that sense. Yeah. No, okay. I, okay. I wouldn't be like oh, you're ugly because you're wearing that. I'd be like mm. I have no depth to my person mm. almost because I can't even think. Like I started writing because I wanted to kill myself as a child. Right. Like okay. I was suicidal as like a ten year old or a thirteen year old or something. And most and, of that had to do with the bullying and. Yeah. Family stuff. Family and the yeah. family stuff. Okay. It was just familial stuff. Not ever, you know, going through things, having messed up stuff happen to me as a child, stuff like that. Someone but- just told me a story the other day about about their sister, <clears throat> about their sister coming out to their family. And this, this is these are one of these moments. That's why, I, like, I'm, I'm still mm-hmm. going, like, my mind's still going through this fucking, like, these ripple effects of this earthquake. Mm-hmm. Because I was just told that their sister had come out. Like they're older now, but th- yeah. when when she did, when they were much younger, uh, she came out. She was having a panic attack. She said, "I feel like I'm about to fucking die. I got it. I'm about to burst. I have to tell you guys something." Mm-hmm. 
this sibling had already known. They're like, of course, you're 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 a lesbian. <laughs> like I could have told. Like I knew yeah. that, but I just never said anything. Mm-hmm. But the parents, one of them more so was just deeply religious mm-hmm. the other one kind of what i don't know they've never really thought it through but they still yeah. thought it was the worst thing that ever happened of like course. and i mean this person for all intents and purposes tried to perform an exorcism on his daughter like tried mm-hmm. to get this fucking lesbian evil spirit out oh of her goodness. by praying and thumping the bible and all sorts yeah. of shit like that and then it just came to a point where I guess they just was just like, all right, fuck it. I guess our daughter's just lesbian. Mm-hmm. But there was never any talk after that. Like it just, like it just, like it just, Nothing. they made a huge ruckus about it for like a month. Like it was just a like month? they were sad oh and they God. they were like the, like, the parents were going through it. Like they're sad. They're in there praying to God. Like they're doing yeah. a bunch of shit. But then after that, it's just like, all right, fuck it. Like whatever. And then, the, but but there was never any talk about the fact that 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 the reaction that was like that, yep, or anything. Mm-hmm. That like they just all continued they living. Brushed it off. And this person yep. told me this like it was like the, the in the most nonchalant right? manner. Exactly. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about right now? Mm-hmm. See, when you live with people that are like that and you grow up with people like that, I can say from experience, you just learn to normalize some stuff. That's And every so single bit of crazy. chaos and trauma and all this stuff that's not normal to people is just like, oh, it's Tuesday. Whatever. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I remember the first time I was ever, like, abused by somebody, like, mm. by a significant other. The first time he literally, like, punched me in the face. Wow. I remember that vividly. And I remember talking to a friend. And I'm like, yeah, he hit me. No big deal. Right. I didn't think anything of it. I was like, yeah, it fucked me up for God knows how long. <clears throat> I was crying. I was a mess. I couldn't think straight. I was scared. I couldn't sleep at night. And then, like, not even a week later, I'm talking to somebody about it. And this is a close friend. And I'm like, yeah. He just hit me, you know, we got into an argument and he just clocked me straight in the face. That's why I still have a black eye in my bed. And that was it. Right. It was like nothing ever happened. Yeah. I just com- all of it was gone. And then I thought about it and I was like, what the fuck is wrong? That's not normal. Yeah. That is not normal. So that like, so so that realization didn't come from the response that the person you were telling no. gave you. It was from hearing myself. See, so what did, yeah. do you remember what that person really had to say or did they have yeah, anything to say? Yeah, they were like, you're crazy. Oh, okay. They verbatim. This is a best friend of mine at the right. time. And she was like, you're nuts. Yeah. You're an Ada. Think about this, please. Yeah. Like, take a second. I get it. You've normalized a lot of stuff in your life, but just go back a little bit. Like, let's rewind the tape. Yeah, yeah, And re-listen. Like, what if I said that to you? Right, 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 <clears throat> How right. would you respond? Yeah. Right? And that's when it clicked. I was like, okay. Damn. I was abused. And that's not... To say that that wasn't like that was a traumatic event. That wasn't just something that happens, because I I just normalized it. I I normalized being hit. I normalized mm. being screamed at. I normalized feeling delusional and de- like just completely gone mentally. Yeah. Always in a state of like dissonance almost. Mm. And it's just I was living in the term cognitive dissonance. I was mm. not thinking about anything, and I let myself live in that. And that's something the brain does to protect you, yes. But right. I was choosing to live in that so I wouldn't have to face it because the 
family thing was forget it, move on. Right, exactly. It, which going. is which is the exact same thing that all these other people are doing that we're talking about. Exactly. Is they're trying their very best to protect mm-hmm. their psyche, and the best way they can do that is just exactly. hide it, mm-hmm. go on, repress. We're done. Mm-hmm. Like just that. Like that gone. didn't really happen. Like that's not that's not real. Yeah. Or even if it is real, whatever it happened. I'm not that man. It. Yo, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm trying. It's like, I, I, I mean, I have, I've, again, I think a lot of this was, was conditioned as a, as a child. I think mm-hmm. a lot of this is my nature, but I try my best to walk, to get as close to truth mm-hmm. in every moment as, as I possibly can. So it's just, and, and, and I guess in, when, since we're talking about normalizing things, I forget just how courageous that is. I forget how brave it is for me to be looking at everything in the face. Definitely. And and I I, I forget Definitely. I forget that, and I forget that people are are just completely just terrified and, and paralyzed mm-hmm. of, of of dealing with anything remotely true or real. Mm-hmm. That's just that's so sad, man. Yeah, that's so sad. That lives like that is few and far between. Oh, you don't see people like God, that. That's so fucking crazy like, to me. That's so I still crazy. try to live in truth because my brain is conditioned to not do that. My brain is conditioned to live in something that is easy for me to live in because of everything else it's dealt with. Mm. It's like we have so many dark spaces in here. We don't know where the light's going to come from. You have to focus on that mm. and not think about anything else, mm. especially because the way I've been conditioned growing up, of course, but like being able to just live and just be truthful in every walk of life and every step that you take is very, very different. That is not something people do. Yeah. And that's not, I wouldn't even call it bravery or courageousness. There has to be a new word to make mm-hmm. up for something like that. Because mm-hmm. imagining going through something as serious as abuse or something as serious as drug addiction or seeing people die or being almost killed or all this other stuff that I've dealt with, I don't know how I would have survived if I didn't shut off my brain for a little while. Mm. Every now and again, at least. Because at first, I mean, I was younger, I would just, I would kind of just take things head on. I'd be like, okay, this happened. Fuck, that really hurt. Okay, move on. And I would let myself deal with it. And then I would move on. I would write about it. I'd cry about it. I'd paint about it, whatever. And I would express that in some way. But there was a time in my life where my brain was like, okay, you just need to stop. Like, this is too much for you right now. And if you feel all of this, I don't know what's going to happen to you. You're right. And so it had to be shut down. Mm. And being able to live like that, like just face everything is intense. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's that's very true. Again, we're all built differently. And sometimes you, you need the space. You need like all the things that it takes to truly feel things and process them. Like you need mm-hmm. space. You need time. You need support. Mm-hmm. You just need you need the mental faculties. Like there's a yeah, there's a lot that yeah. goes into it. Like you can't just take everything on. I read this stat the other day about like 40 million people are in modern day slavery. Yeah, especially like the like the selects the the sex slave industry mm-hmm. is like it's like okay. it's crazy. It's just like a wild wildly yeah. lucrative business that's mm-hmm. just that's just going on at all points in time. Of course, yeah, and like. To, and it makes me also think that in correlation with Victor E. Frankel's book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, is this mm-hmm. 
this guy that was put in a Nazi death camp. Yeah. And he's sitting there and he's observing everything that's going on, like the hierarchy of the the inmates in the way that certain inmates are like assholes to other inmates. And it's mm-hmm. like, dude, what are you like, bro? We're, we're, we're all, all here. here. We're in the same clothes. <laughs> we're bro. all in Come here. And in, in any moment we could be walked Kill. into this furnace. Exactly. We've seen plenty of our friends get walked into these furnaces and, exactly. and die. Like, like, what are you doing being an asshole to me? Like, this, yeah. like, it's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And then you see, you know, and clearly a lot of the soldiers were dickheads, but then some of the soldiers that were just, they were soldiers because they were put in a predicament and it was like, what am I going to do? Say no, I'm not going to be exactly. one. Then what What happens to me and my family? Yeah. So you see them being nice to some of the inmates mm-hmm. and trying to help them out and allow them to go and have time together to sing and dance and yeah. tell stories together. And it's really just this book about what the human mind is capable of and, and trying to find meaning mm-hmm. in what it is you're talking about in this poem of just the worst of situations you could yeah. fathom just the absolute mm-hmm. worst. You were just taken out of the whole life that you knew mm-hmm. with your loved ones and your job, your career, all this yeah. meaning. And you were just dropped in this camp. Exactly. And at any moment, you could just be killed. Exactly. Just because. Just because. And that, I mean, that's just absolutely wild. But, you know, this guy that wrote this book mm-hmm. about his time there, because clearly he, he got out. But yeah to write this book about what human beings are capable of and how you can find meaning in the darkest of times. And then you just think about your life, you know, and you're like, all right, well, listen, I was never in a Nazi death camp. So like, <laughs> like I never experienced Not that. Bad, like, you know what I mean? So, you know, I, there, there's some other things that maybe I yeah, shouldn't it let. It makes you think though. It makes hmm. you think of all the times that you've been in places where you felt like it was your personal death camp. Yeah, yeah. And what you did to survive that. Yeah, for sure. Like, I can count on, I can't even count on both of my hands, the amount of times that I was sitting in this miserable state wearing probably just a big t-shirt and some socks in my empty apartment with someone screaming at me in one ear and I just have drugs right in front of me and I'm not thinking about it. I'm like, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Just smoke. I'll be okay. Right. And just forgetting about everything and then being able to sleep at night. Yeah. And then being able to live with somebody that scared me so bad. Yeah. Every single night sleeping next to this person, sleeping on top of this person, sleeping with this person. Yeah. And the things that my brain had to do right. to survive those moments. Yeah. It's astonishing. Like, it, it, it I pat is. myself on the back for that every day now because <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, dude, you made it. Yeah, that is, that is, I mean, that is cognitive dissonance. That is the exact mm-hmm. opposite of of harmony in one's mind like mm-hmm. it is it is just straight survival just it's straight survival and it and it's mm-hmm. cacophonous because you you clearly have to be having combating ideas oh yeah of okay i'm here right now but i i shouldn't be here mm-hmm. right now i don't want to be and, here right now and I don't truly love and care for this person like i can't not truly no but yet I'm here and I'm I'm housing them and I'm, I'm feeding them. And I might as well have been bathing them. I might as well have been right. clothing them. Yeah. Letting it's... them take my phone and my car to go make money. Letting them do whatever they wanted to me, from me, for me, for me. Right, yeah. 
just because that is going to put a smile on this person's face. Yeah, that's a that's a very it's a very miserable existence. It's a very interesting place to be. It's miserable, but it's like looking back on it, it's I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised I made it out the way that I did. Yeah, because I spent a lot of my time trying to make it happy. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, just forgetting, oh, he just hit me, whatever. Let's just sit down on the couch and watch some TV and like talk. Mm-hmm. And just completely ignoring all of that. Mm-hmm. Letting him come up on me. Letting him hold me from behind while I'm cooking and tell me how much he loves me and like kiss my head and all this other stuff. All the while, in my heart, I'm shaking and my I'm terrified. Right. I don't want to be there, but I'm letting myself be there because I want to make this person happy i am determined to make the best of the situation and see every possible outcome through except death of course do you do you see yourself trying to to help or fix people often in life has that has that been something common for you or kind of okay so i can count two times that i've done that before one time was my sister Mm -hmm. and the other time was him yeah okay. and every other time had been you know i was thinking about it and i was like i don't need to fix nobody and i would just kind of talk myself out of it and just be a support for that person and be like yeah you can you know i'll loan you this much money if you need it i'll help you with this i'll do that whatever but i genuinely never wanted to fix anybody unless it was my sister or him Mm. and i don't know what it was that made me want to do that for either of them Mm. because for both of them i had this strong love hate relationship like i resented the living shit out of both of them but i loved them to a fault and so every part of me was like i just want you to be happy i don't even want to fix you i just want you to be happy what do i have to do to do that but i was proving to myself that i can't do that Mm -hmm. i can't because that's me trying to fix them i don't want to fix them but i'm subconsciously doing that by doing all this stuff for them and pushing them to this place that they're not choosing to be in. Yeah. Because if they wanted to be in that place and make those moves, they would do it. Yeah. But I just consistently told myself. Or at least be asking. You would you would see exactly. something. You would see you would something. You see drive, motivation, anything, Yeah, something. You know? They may not have all the faculties, like all the tools to be able to pull it off, but you'd see yes. something. Exactly. Yeah. And there was few, few, few times that I actually saw something. Yeah. In at least this one person. My sister, I can say she's completely different than she used to be. She's actually driven. She has a career now. She's happy, whatever. But <clears throat> at the time, this was a couple years ago, she was not trying to do that. She was kind of doing the same thing I was, but a little bit worse, where she was willing to risk her family. She was willing to risk her life and everything that she worked for because of drugs, because she was upset, because of whatever it was. And I just wanted to like take that parasite out of her head. But I mm-hmm. I spent so much time putting myself at risk for that. Mm-hmm. But I had to tell myself at some point, she's going to do that on her own. Yeah. You cannot force her to do that. And I had to do the same thing with him. Like, I can't make him be successful. I can't make him hold a job. I can't, like, it's not that I'm not good enough for him. It's that he does not want to do that just yet. Yeah. Yeah. no matter what I try to do, it's not going to change it unless he decides to make that decision and do the necessary things that he has to do. And one of those things is cutting me the fuck loose and letting me go. That's a huge, that's a huge lesson that I think people have to learn because we all, I mean, we all want to help. 
Of like course. people love people, regardless of, of what it is. Course. They say like people want other people to do well for the most part. People, Definitely. I mean, some people they they work with spite and and regret. Yeah. And again, misery does love company. So every now and mm-hmm. again, seeing someone else be miserable to come and some other yours that, that like mm-hmm. that people do work off of that software. But Definitely. but we do want to genuinely help other people. I really just think mm-hmm. it's a matter of figuring out how that is done truly. Um, and it's and in my experience, it hasn't been run around with your cape on and just try to figure everyone out and try to fix everyone, <clears throat> try to put everyone's misery on your back. It, mm-hmm. It's just it's not going to happen. It's like that funny term the guys always say, Captain save mm-hmm. That You can't be that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be that. You can't save a hoe. <laughs> you can't. That's a that's a hoe. Like the hoe is gonna be a hoe until she doesn't want to be a hoe, and then she'll be a wife or whatever she wants to be. Whatever she wants to whatever be. Whatever she wants to be, she will become that. But you can't save her. There is no saving <laughs> Yo, that. This is, this is so funny that you use this though. As a, as a, <laughs> that's so funny. But no, but I completely understand it's what you're saying. True. It, no, it is. It is that way. You just you just can't force people to be who they aren't. Or, or or to or to have some revelation or some epiphany that they're not ready to have that maybe they exactly. don't even have the prerequisite experiences to have yeah. in this moment. Exactly. You just can't you can't force exactly. people's growth. You, you just can't. you can't. Unfortunately. We all we've all yeah. wasted some of our time trying mm-hmm. to force someone trying to accelerate someone's growth. Exactly. Yeah, you gotta leave that. You gotta leave that behind, man. You have to, and if you don't, you're gonna end up killing yourself in one way or another, figuratively, literally, mentally, whatever. Yeah. Spiritually was a big one for me. I almost lost every ounce of spiritual that I had in myself to try and help somebody who didn't really believe in spirituality. Mm. He was all about like God and then atheism, and then God and atheism over and over again. He was having wait, a battle wait, with wait, himself. whoa, whoa. He it was, was weird. he was jumping. All right, yeah, okay. Yep. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. Let's talk about this God thing. When he said it to you, was he talk? Was it like a conventional God or like practice mm-hmm. that he was talking about? Was he talking about yeah. like Jesus Christ? Or? Basically. Oh, he was. Okay. It was like Christianity, but a like more broadened version of Christianity. Okay. Like, I believe in God and Christian principles, but it's not exactly Christianity. Okay. Right? He didn't believe in necessarily all of the stories within no. the book. Yeah, Okay. Exactly. Okay. But he would jump back and forth. And part of that was because of the resentment he had from his like super Christian parents that okay. forced him to go to church mm-hmm. and do all this other stuff he didn't want to do. And so he jumped from, I don't believe in God at all, to I believe in God, to I believe in the universe, to I believe in nothing, I believe in God over... It was this, like... Yeah. He was juggling theology in his hands. Yes. Yeah, you know... It was ridiculous. Sometimes people are trying to figure things out and... You know, you you're being inundated maybe with a with a whole new because if he was he did grow up for a long time in the church, mm-hmm. then he may not have been exposed to anything else really. Mm-hmm. So then, whenever he did find that there were other people with other insights and other ways of mm-hmm. looking at the world, then it probably came in like a flood, and it's like, oh shit, there's a lot of other points of view out here. Exactly. And again, just like us trying to conceptualize you know, being dark skinned or, you know, <laughs> not having crystal blue eyes at a young age while yeah. all these other kids are asking you whether you use toilet paper or not. Mm-hmm. It's probably hard for him to conceptualize in this moment. Like, 
what do I believe? What is real? What is real? What, what is, is God? What is religion? What right. is all of this? Is this a simulation? What's exactly. <laughs> what is going on? So then exactly. you just, yeah, so then you're probably just, you're reading stuff. You're, you're looking at YouTube videos. You probably okay. fell down that, that hole of YouTube videos. Oh my God, no. Who knows? So yeah, I, I could, I could see that if you've just been mm-hmm. completely sheltered for a long part, like you're all of your, up until your adolescence, up until your, your young adulthood. And then, mm-hmm. and then information hits. It's yeah. definitely intense. I can only imagine yeah. how intense it is because I was lucky enough to be very, very Muslim growing up, but I was able to look at other things as well. Okay. My parents didn't force me into Islam. Okay. They were like, this is what we practice. So until you reach a certain age, we, we're going to do this and then you can do whatever you want. Okay. And so I went and That's I cool. searched a bunch of other stuff. I searched up Buddhism. I searched up just basic spirituality. I searched mm. up Christianity. I went to the church a couple times. I looked at Judaism. I looked at all this other stuff and I was like, okay, Buddhism, spirituality, these make sense. I feel like I gave you, I I gave you at least one book, but I feel like I may have given you two. You did. You gave me two. I think one of them was Women in Love yes. by D.H. Lawrence. Yes. I and then that book. and then another one was I think it was unsubscribed. It was yes. the Buddhist practitioner it in New was. York. Okay. It was, it was unsubscribed. Holy shit, that's crazy. I loved that, that book yeah. too. Because it just validated all these principles I made in my head. I was <laughs> yeah. like, okay, yeah, I was thinking about this right. Cool. But yeah, I mean, you have to find it yourself and you have to not resent that part of yourself. Mm. Like, I think a big part of people who just are very confused in their theology resent that they're not a part of one specific religion. Mm. Maybe it's because of the religion they grew up having or whatever it was or their parents or their loved ones, whatever. Because I know a lot of people who grew up Christian or grew up Muslim that are like, I can't be anything else. Mm-hmm. I can't believe in anything else. When in reality, yes, the fuck, yes, you can. You can believe in whatever you want to believe. Yeah. You're just choosing against it because you don't want to stir up the pot. You don't want to make somebody else upset. Like my best friend right now, she's she grew up Jehovah's Witness, but she's completely spiritual. Mm. She's the most spiritual person I've ever met. She has the most like exuberant energy an aura and she like she charges her crystals she like meditates and prays with her crystals and herbal medicine and spells and rituals and all this other stuff and it's like she grew up jehovah's witness but she let herself dive into something else yeah she didn't have that resentment and if she did have it at one point she was like okay i'm gonna get through this yeah because why should i resent myself on believing something that feels right in my heart mm-hmm. and that's something that's really really like difficult to understand about that person that i was with for a really long time just because every single thing that was an embodiment of him stepping outside of his small town his small family all of this stuff was the worst thing in the world him stepping out of that and coming to a bigger city was like okay this is my big break the big break didn't happen immediately so i resent everything and i'm not gonna move yeah i'm just gonna shut down and I've never been that kind of person. Like, we didn't spend too much time together, but I'm sure you know I'm not that kind of person. I'm not the type of person that's going to go somewhere and be like, okay, well, this didn't happen in three months, so I'm just going to give up and just say, screw my entire life and everything I worked for. Yeah. I'm going to find a new truth. I'm going to find a new thing. There's a reason I'm in this place still, and I need to find that before I move on to the next one. Well, people lack discernment. Yeah. People like discernment. And so you 
people too easily. There's a, there's a real issue with people not knowing how to think about things effectively. Mm-hmm. Right. So people go through things and then they they're very easily able to just jump to a conclusion. And mm-hmm. it's usually like the first or second one that pops into their mind. And then oh, yeah. they stick with that. And they because they don't know how to truly sift through information mm-hmm. and analyze things for what they are like. They, it's 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 a very, very uh, it's an invaluable skill it to is. learn, to think truly. But but people have a really hard time. So, yeah, you just oh, well, this didn't work. So I guess my fucking life is over. But yeah, right. It's like, why didn't it work, though? Like, exactly. like, why didn't it work? Is it is it the location truly or is it you? Are you mm-hmm. are you are you being true to what it is you're doing? Exactly. Like what sort of marketing plan are you going like? I, yeah, I don't, right? Depending upon what, like whatever it is you're doing, there's so many factors that mm-hmm. factor into everything. Exactly. And you at least have to know at the bare minimum that you don't know what they all are. Mm-hmm. But you at least got to think as best as you can on what the ones you do know are and try to break those things down into a way that you can actually discern what is real, what is not, what's a real and obstruction, what's something that's really hindering you from moving forward and what's really just a distraction. Exactly. Like what like what what accountability are you taking? Mm-hmm. Like there's there's so many things exactly. to really think about. Cuz I mean, when it comes to drug addiction at least for me, I was I'm definitely 100% believing that it wasn't the drugs that were holding me back from anything. It was what was causing me to keep doing it. Mm. What's causing me to keep wanting to go do this? What's causing me to want to spend all my money? What's causing me to do all of this? Because it's obviously not the drugs. If it was just the drugs, I would have never stopped. It was this part of me that felt so incomplete and didn't feel like, well, because you failed in this relationship, and you failed succeeding this and making this person happy, you have nothing. Mm. And you are nothing. You even tried going to drugs and that didn't change anything. That made it worse. And so I had to dig really, really, really deep into myself, whether it was while I was going through detox and while I was in the beginning stages of rehab to even now, because it's only been almost three months sober. Like, I'm still digging deep into myself and trying to find... Three months sober, I just want to make this clear, just from fentanyl, though. From everything. Oh, from... You You went cold, you just cut it all out. Mm-hmm. That's really, really funny. I, I, the the yeah. reason being is... What, what's today, weed. the 25th? <laughs> I still smoke weed. Oh, okay, okay. Just yeah, weed, weed is weed is what you... Okay. Yeah, but okay. not often, honestly. I usually only smoke weed every now and again now. Mm-hmm. And you know I used to smoke a lot of yeah. weed. Yeah, was it so. for, for sleep mostly or just for... Yeah. relaxation. Relaxation. Because really, my anxiety was peaked after that. Do you eat it, well? Now, better oh, eat better now better, do you use do you use uh weed for for yes, eating yes just like i did in the beginning which is quite funny i feel like i completed a whole life cycle with mm. drug use because mm. i started smoking weed because i had an eating disorder right and i couldn't eat and so my friends were like weed and i was like oh my god i can eat food that was right? what the, that was what the poem was uh that was what the poem was <clears throat> about that you read to me the very mm-hmm. first time yep. it was uh it was very interesting too i remember a, a, a line or at least something within the line it was um i don't remember verbatim but it mm-hmm. was about you looking at a scale mm-hmm. and in in deriving your your value from that number the numbers that were coming up yeah, yeah. and i i remember hearing that and i was like holy shit yep. that's 
fucking <clears throat> deep. Like you're getting a real read. Like you're looking at a mm-hmm. scale and a number is about to flash up in front of you. Mm-hmm. And like this number is is it is an actual I mean it, and it's and it's so it's so visual because it's a, it's a real number. It's a real mm-hmm. value. It's sitting right there in front of you. And you can and you can just play with that value yep. and, ju- and scale up or scale want. down. And it's just like, yeah, like this is this is my value. This number mm-hmm. that's here. That's very very wild. Mm-hmm. And I played that into like part of my thinking about today's society now, just because people's monetary status. Mm is a big derivative of their worth. Yeah, for sure. Like for a lot of the time, if you say, oh, I make six figures, people are going to look at you like, oh, great, you're a great person. <laughs> if you're like, oh, I make $32,000 a year, I'm a cashier right now, mm-hmm. they're going to look at you like you're the scum of the earth. Mm-hmm. Or I'm in, I don't know, affordable housing, or I'm doing this, or I'm doing that, they're going to look at you like you're crazy. And that's like, I didn't realize the parallels until I grew up a little bit, because mm-hmm. I wrote that poem when I was probably 16. Mm-hmm. And I grew up and I was like, okay, holy shit. Like, it's not just the scale number that matters. It's now the bank account number. And on top of that, it's going to be the mileage on my car. It's going Mm -hmm. to be whatever number is going to derive my worth. And I had to break free from that a lot. Because, I mean, when I was in active addiction, I would have like 62 cents to my name. And I'd Mm. be like, I'm still worthy of love. I'm still worthy of life. And that's something that I had to repeat to myself mm-hmm. a lot. Because people like, I mean, if you have $12,000 in your bank account, someone's going to look at you and be like, oh, wow, you're you're good. You're a good person. But if you have like $2, they're going to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're worthless. Basically, you're like, oh, well, you you don't do anything for the society. You're not putting anything into this. So fuck mm-hmm. you. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You're not churning yeah. out productivity. Mm-hmm. Mm. <clears throat> and that's something I feel like a lot of people need to break free from. Society-wise, at least, I feel like getting pleasure or getting your self-worth or your life's worth from whatever number it is, is the worst way to live. It's just, you're constantly going to regret something. Followers, likes. Exactly. Numbers. Like social media on top of everything. That's just another way for people to feel like garbage about themselves because... I didn't make enough. I didn't show enough people this. Enough people didn't think this was cool or pretty or whatever. I'm not weighing enough or whatever. Yeah. When I watched that Netflix special, uh, The Social Dilemma, and, and I, you know, they did all that research on the numbers on young girls specifically mm-hmm. committing suicide yep. and it being in, it seems like an undeniable track with the rise of social media oh yeah it's just it's just like those i just remember reading fucking staggering numbers Mm -hmm. like absolutely ridiculous constantly comparing yourself with these other people and it's something that women have been going through Mm -hmm. for 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 a long time you know i mean it was magazines and stuff like that before but it wasn't in your face now you see that yeah. Like 170 people think I'm beautiful versus seven people think I'm beautiful. Yeah. Like that is, that was really hard for me to overcome when I was just getting on social media too. I just had a Facebook and I remember posting like random shit. I was probably like 12 when I had a Facebook. I was just posting about like sandwiches and like how I felt <laughs> that day or whatever. Just right. Random stuff. And like if it didn't get 
this certain number of likes or reactions or comments i was like oh my god i'm just i'm, I'm so weird i'm, I'm awkward what the, i need to go away like, yeah i need to work on myself and get better so people like me mm-hmm. when in reality i just didn't have a lot of friends like yeah. I, there wasn't a lot of people on my social media right and like <clears throat> when i first had an instagram and stuff too that was even worse because now i'm literally basing my worth and myself and my beauty on how many people like a picture yeah and the amount of young girls that i've met throughout my lifetime that are like i just hate myself and i'm like why they're like because people don't think i'm pretty i'm like what do you mean they're like well i only got like 352 likes on this picture and i usually get like 700 i'm like who Mm. who cares who really cares yeah that's different posting about oh go like my new photo on instagram on their social media oh wow oh wow they're vying for it like that i didn't even know Oh, they're advertising it like that wow i didn't even know it was like that see then again see i'm also old so i grew up (laughs) so uh, so i remember growing up without all of this stuff so Mm -hmm. i wasn't just completely consumed by it Mm-hmm. at at the youngest age yeah you know like the I, rise of social media was the rise of my adolescence yeah, yeah yeah yeah. and so i see all of this stuff happening i hear i literally have seen friends of mine and like young young people like either commit suicide completely mm. go away like just ghost on everything and just disappear almost just yeah. because they didn't get enough attention yeah and it's the most depressing thing in the world. One of a close friend of my sister's who was basically like a sister to me, she killed herself in high school. And it was, we read the note and it was basically because she wasn't getting enough love from the people around her. She felt like other people were more deserving of the love that she was receiving. She was like, I'm not getting the likes. I'm not getting the attention. I'm not getting any of this. But on the other hand, there was another girl who I also knew. I was closer with her than my sister, but she killed herself and she was 16 years old. Mm. And she was the most popular girl Mm. in all of high school. She had thousands of likes on her social media. She had all the attention in the world and she hated her life. Yeah. And so I feel like there's such different ways you can view that. And it really depends on the way that you view yourself. And the way you view the world, like you can get, I used, I wrote this poem a long time ago too, that for, I think it was one of my first breakups. I, what did I say? It was something along the lines of, I'm receiving all the love in the world, but I feel so alone. Mm -hmm. I'm getting all this love, all this attention, these gifts and all this happiness, but I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. It's empty. Exactly. It's shallow. Yeah. And. that really changed my perspective on all of that like yeah social media has definitely destroyed a lot of lives but i feel like it's done it in both ways yeah like people who are crazy famous i don't want to be seen all the time people who don't get anything at all see me more right you know and it's just that there's always been a number and that's something that society's only making worse like yeah it's it it it, it really means something that the connections that you have with real people in your life, mm-hmm. like the things that you're really doing with real people mm-hmm. in your life, it's just, and, and 
Suffice it to say, this does go back to mindfulness mm-hmm. and, and meditation because, because if you were just where you were all the time, mm-hmm. then what would matter is what's in front of you. The, the people that you're with at that moment, that's that's what would be what's on your mind. That's what exactly. would be concerning you. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. And now I've trained myself to listen over the years. So yeah. when I when I listen to people, mm-hmm. I just one, it's a it's it's a meditation like everything else is in my mm-hmm. life. And I have no. Like I can, I can feel it as it happens. Like I'm like someone else will start talking and I'm looking at them and I can literally feel these, like my ego set to the side. Mm -hmm. I can feel like these gates open up and it's just data enrichment at that point. Like Mm -hmm. I'm just taking whatever it is you're giving me and you know, the thought process and all that, that like that'll take care of itself, Mm -hmm. but I'm just, I'm just absorbing whatever's happening. I'm not worried about any ego or or shame or guilt or pride or anything that's going to obscure anything that you're saying and make it something that it's not. It's just, it's just happening. Yeah. And because I've trained myself to be able to do that, we can just get in this zone Mm -hmm. and have this conversation and we can, I think something that's, that's really cool about the way that I conceptualize this is that it would be probably very, very awesome thing to be omniscient, to just know yes. all, right? Oh my goodness, yes. Well, we are a dumb little human, so we don't mm-hmm. really get that. But not. but the closest thing that we can get towards it mm-hmm. is if, is it, so I'm over here occupying this space in consciousness. Yes. I can't occupy your space. Mm-hmm. But the best thing that I can do, the closest I can get to that is if I shut my fucking mouth and and you talk to me and I let my ego go to the side and I just absorb what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the the best way that I can occupy that space of consciousness sitting across from me, which gives me insights into things that I would otherwise have no way of understanding, Mm -hmm. which makes you just that much greater, that much wiser, that much more knowledgeable about Mm -hmm. the world going on around you. Like I just got one other fraction, one other piece Mm -hmm. to what this world has to offer just by listening to you. And when you do that and we, and then it allows you to have the types of conversations that we're having Mm -hmm. where we learn so much about each other and we, and we dig deep and we, we understand where one is coming from, yeah. Which fosters great relationships between mm-hmm, people. Definitely, there is there is a connection built there, mm-hmm. which is why you were able to just come over here after you know not seeing each other for years, exactly, and just be able to come kick it because you exactly. felt that comfort because we knew what this was, mm-hmm. and that's the sort of connections that I like to make with people as best as I can. And that shit matters. Those types of relationships stave off this need to go try to look at a number on your phone and see what worth you have that day. Exactly. It's it's super it's super important, man. You got to you you got to making strong connections with the mm-hmm. people that are actually there. Right there. Really there. Exactly. That shit matters. 
And it's so depressing because people always think that the number of followers that you have or the amount of people that you talk to through your phone on a daily basis is what matters. Mm. But what is networking? Like, let's really dig deep on that. What is networking? It's making connections with people. It's not having a follower. It's not having somebody else on your LinkedIn. It's having a conversation, having charisma, and having a connection with somebody. It's not just DMing every once in a while or sending a hard eyes emoji or whatever. Like, that's no. That's not at all what it is. The way to succeed in this type of society is to build strong connections. And people like to minimize that so much. Because I'm one of those people that people my age at least call me old-fashioned. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, you just want to talk, like, on the phone. You actually want to be on FaceTime. Like, you want to use your phone for what it is instead of being on social media or games or whatever. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, because it's a fucking phone, dude. Yeah. I want to talk to people. <clears throat> That's the point. It's so much more than a phone for people. I mean, well, one, yeah. it is. And two, people don't even see that as... I mean, like, that being the function is such a minuscule part of it. Exactly. Like, it's a, it's really a portal. Yeah. That's really what really, that thing it's is. A portal it's a, po- it's a portal into everything else. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. It, me being able to yeah. call someone is, is the least of... The bare minimum. The, yeah, yeah. That's the least of what people like, are thinking about. I can go into so many different things just on that. Yeah. That is intense. I can see terrible, dark, disgusting stuff on this. I can get into a completely different side of the universe, side of the world, something I've never experienced before by a simple Google search. Or a simple YouTube loop that I fall into or whatever. Yeah, investing in people is, it's, it, it, it's been the most rewarding thing for me. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. Like, I can't give the answers to everybody for everything, but I, what mm-hmm. I can speak is from my experience in that mm-hmm. in my life, investing in people has mm-hmm. been easily the most rewarding of decisions I have ever made. Definitely. Easily. And in the right ways. Yes. Well, yeah. I can definitely say I've invested in the wrong people, mm-hmm. but that has taught me a lot of stuff. So yeah. I can't say it was the wrong thing to do or something that I shouldn't have done, but it, you have to have a certain level of like armor on yeah. yourself almost to be able to face these different storms. Yeah. Because to me, people are a bunch of different things. They can be like, they can be floral, they can be storms, they can be tornadoes, they can be whirlwinds, they can be all this other stuff. And you have to decide, do you want to continue weathering it? And like one of the biggest parts about having a relationship is letting go of the relationship Mm. and knowing when to do that. Because you you can only get so much data. You know what I mean? Mm. You can only get so much insight from a real human connection. Mm. Because there's always going to be a time where that connection is necessary to die out. Whether it's from that person leaving the earth or you both just being like, okay, we have to go or one or the other. Because I can say I learned a lot from all the terrible things that I've experienced. Yeah. I have learned so much about people, about the mind, about the psyche, about relationships, love, the world almost. Just from all these other things that I wouldn't be able to understand if I just kept sitting and talking to one person. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely relationships can easily and I think often do stagnate for 1000%. I think that what like the beauty in relationships that last and last in a productive way Mm -hmm. is that whoever, however many people are in this, you know, said relationship, they have found a way. I just had a guy named Brad on here a couple episodes ago and he Mm -hmm. spoke about 
the Beatles documentary, which I still need to watch. Me too. But how you how you said that the Beatles, most people think about creativity by just like smoking weed or I don't know doing whatever the fuck it is people correlate with artisticness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fucking doing whatever you, it is you do. You pick up the guitar and you make a song with your friend or you paint a picture or whatever. It, but they, he, I guess in this documentary, they had spoken about how the Beatles had created a system for building creativeness. Mm-hmm. Like how they were going to get creativity, how they were going to churn creativity out and that they had built a system to make sure that that happened. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty in relationships is you have to find out how to not allow this if you care about each other and you want this to go the long haul whatever form of relationship it is mm-hmm. how to not allow it to stagnate so you have to come up with ways to continue to generate love and genu- generate newness mm-hmm. in inside of that thing and without it without if you just throw your hands up and and say love will take care of it that's that's where you're probably gonna end up fucking up. Yeah, you, exactly. Like that. These are conscious decisions 100%. that have to be made. You have to find ways. You have to choose that. Yeah. <clears throat> a big part of love for me is choosing to love that person every single day. It's <clears throat> regardless of the messed up things you've done. I'm choosing to love you and choosing to pour into you. Mm. But if you're not pouring back, then what is that? That's not a relationship. You're just. I'm just going to keep filling up the glass till it overfulls. Like, yeah. I can't do anything about that because mm. that's not a relationship anymore. Like, a relationship is supposed to build both people while you're having it, whether or not it's, you know, financial or whatever. It's supposed to build you in one way or another, whether it's building more joy, building more comfort, just, you know, being able to be yourself with somebody yeah. and understand that that person is going to take care of you and you're going to take care of them yeah it's kind of like um what is that thing called like um a seesaw. A seesaw. yeah yeah little fulcrum yeah yeah it's like that like you have both parties have to keep moving for that to keep going mm. but if one person steps off then i talk sh- about this all the time uh partnerships mm-hmm. you know what i mean like People find themselves in relationships all the time, but how often do you find yourself in a partnership? Exactly. Like you guys have, like if you thought about that in regards to a business venture Mm -hmm. that you were going to have, you guys would have to come together and write out a mission statement. Mm -hmm. Like what what is this business? Like what are we doing here? What is the business or what is the product or the service that we're Mm -hmm. selling? How far are we trying to take this thing? And what does it and, mean to and us? W- what does it mean to us? And yeah. in what ways are we going to systematically mm-hmm. put in place what needs to be put in place in order yeah. for those things to happen? Exactly. Right? So, like, these are things that have to happen. But if you're not having these conversations in a relationship, then imagine how wild that would be going into business that way. Exactly. Like, you just together, hey, man, you want to mm-hmm. sell some stuff? Sure, man. What do you want to sell? It doesn't matter. Let's just sell some stuff. Okay. Have you ever seen Kitchen Nightmares? No. Wait, wait, wait. Is that uh, the one Gordon where um, Gordon Ramsay runs around and he's yep, finding trying to fix all these messed up restaurants? Three-year-old cheese and people. That is literally the definition of a terrible business partnership. Right. That's where it's let's just Let's just they get these four talking. walls and just start just selling stuff. stuff. Throwing stuff to the wind. If they like it, cool. If they don't, I don't care. Like, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> you know, it... <laughs> You're so fucking right. And like, it's so great. You're right. You're so right. Like, the, like people are actually doing this in the yes. business world. Like, they're just 
putting something together and they're just like, let's just see if it works. Exactly. And there are people that know that partnership wise, they are not good together. Like they cannot do this. They're like, you're in my proximity. You're going to be the only person that's going to say yes to this right now. So let's uh, go. Yeah. Let's just do it. Yeah. A lot of that. That's a lack of patience. It's a lack of patience because you don't want to wait for the right thing or the right person. Mm -hmm. And it's also, like I said before, a lack of discernment. Definitely. Like, like, what do I need for this to work? Mm -hmm. What do I truly need? Just thinking about the end goal, what you want, not what it's going to take to get there. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Like, I love Kitchen Nightmares. It's something I watch all the time Mm. in my free time. And seeing these people, they're in marriages, they're best friends, they're sisters, cousins, whatever... They're destroying their relationship because they're just, they're not going to communicate with each other about it. They're just going to say, screw it. We're going to let everybody else take care of it. We made the idea. You guys can handle it. Instead of being a partnership, getting things together, being able to, you know, come together with communication and have this whole thing blossom into something. They're just planting the seed and being like, okay, well, if it rains, it'll water. And that's Oh, it. yeah. That's, man. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It is depressing, but it's true. Oh, man. People, people, people. (laughs) What the (laughs) fuck is going on out here? People are so great, man. They're so great. Oh, my God. I'll tell you what, man. One of the reasons I love doing this so much is, again, my investment in people. But that, that comes, a lot of that comes from my genuine interest in human beings. I find them so fascinating. It's so interesting. They're so isn't it? fascinating. Just the, all the different things that we do and, and, and think and believe. Right. And oh the things goodness. that we think that we believe and exactly. we don't. And, you know, it's, oh my God. you know, like sometimes we, we believe in things in theory, but we do not practice them. Right. We do not believe in practice. Right. It's, it's so, people are so fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Man, how long have we been doing this now? For no a little bit. Oh man, you have no okay, so listen. Something that everyone's required to do when they come on here. Okay. This is called any last words pod. All you have to do is just give some last words to the people. Oh lovely. Just give some last words for the people. Lovely. I think we're at uh if I'm reading this correctly. How long do you think we are? How long do you think we've okay. been doing okay. this? Um off the top of your head. Like two hours. Okay, that's not bad. About two and a half hours. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, it was yeah, only not, 30 minutes yeah, off. Yeah, Look not at bad, me. not bad. Okay. Um, God, this is the worst because I'm really bad at decisions. I don't know whether <laughs> to leave this on a funny note or whether to leave this on like a be spiritual and mindful. Oh, man. Note. It doesn't. Know. Come on, man. Um, it doesn't okay, matter. You've, you've already I, said I so much. The exactly. people, like, they, they're going to get what they're, they're going to get, get from you. They're going to get it. Yeah. Um, okay. My last words are... If you have to say fuck it before you do it, don't do it. <laughs> hey, hey, man. Oh god! If anything, hey, nah, that's hey, that. nah, that's that's kind of that's that's a fact. <laughs> that's a suit. That's a super. Yeah, that's probably a super fact. <laughs> you should probably just take a walk away. Just you know, mm-hmm. and and just get just think think about it. Rethink. You know, yeah, just think really about play it. Play out how that's gonna yeah, go before. That's you super. Do it. That's super funny. Oh, that's god. super funny. I really enjoyed this. Uh, this was great. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you. Thanks yeah, this was this me. was awesome. It was great. Um, my my last words to the people. Um, 
Unsubscribe, great book about a Buddhist practitioner in New York City. Great story, great principles. I forget the person that wrote it, but unsubscribe. Um, Man's Search for Meaning by Victor E. Frankel. That's also a super awesome book. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've already talked about this one as well, but I'm going to do it as many times as it takes. Nathan C. Schaefer's book, Thinking and Learning to Think. Awesome, awesome book. Um, yeah, those are my last words to the people. Love you guys. Beautiful. This is episode 106. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Peace.